Good morning. It is a Monday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. Yeah, we decided to uh, start a little bit later, as we told you we might on Friday. Still had a few of you, John Proctor included, reaching out like, dude, what, what the heck? What's going on? Just trying to tell me you don't listen to the show. Um, really a lovely and fitting tribute to Brooks Robinson this morning. I uh, hope that you all were able to uh, watch or listen or attend today's event. Um, got uh, got uh, pretty emotional a couple of times. Thought his grandchildren in particular. That was beautiful. Boog Pal telling stories. Cal Ripken, obviously, I think people remember for a long time. Cal Ripken getting choked up as he... Tried to discuss uh, what Brooks Robinson meant to him. Just a very powerful morning and um, really wonderful showing of current Orioles who were there for the Brooks Robinson Memorial and the young players in particular. Like, I'm not surprised. Kyle Gibson gets it, right? Like, he does everything right away from the field. I'm not remotely surprised that Kyle Gibson was there, but to see all of the many young Orioles, the Tyler Wells, the Grayson Rodriguez, the Kyle Bradish, who, you know, may or may not have a grasp of what Brooks Robinson means to Baltimore. That was that was spectacular, um, and and really allowed for it all to be tied in together. Just a beautiful, beautiful ceremony, and um, we thought it would be appropriate to just pause and say, "Hey, we all we should we all want to stop what we're doing." You know, in in um, in the UK, when a royal passes away, you're not allowed to like sneeze during those remembrances and during those festivities. And today, of course, everybody went to work and it was largely a normal day. But anything that we could do to show a little bit of deference and respect and pause and not even give one person. I'm not trying to suggest that we would have had more people watching this show or listening to this show than the Brooks Robinson Memorial, but even one person that might have chosen to do that, we didn't want to do that today. So that was the story, and that's why we're starting late, but we're glad to be here. Obviously a lot to discuss. The regular season is behind us in baseball. The Ravens get a win that it will be difficult to talk about the value of, but it's still a win, and they're 3-1, and and they've won their first two division games, both on the road, and those are all very good things. Coming up a little bit later on in the program, Melvin Gordon, Ravens running back, is going to join us. He got into the mix yesterday, caught that really nice touch pass from Lamar Jackson for a big gain on the left side. We'll chat with him about that and settling in here with the Ravens, why he wanted to be a part of this thing. Melvin Gordon will join us in a bit. Jeremy Kahn joins us as he does every Monday. We'll get to that a little bit later on today. And who knows what else might pop up during the course of today's broadcast. Today's show is brought to you by the Baltimore County Police Department. Coming up on October 28th, the Baltimore County Police hosting their next hiring event. It's at the Public Safety Building, 700 East Chopper Road in Towson. You can go through basically all of the process, the application process, the written test, the agility test, all of it right there on the spot. Plus, there will be members of the various specialized units in attendance to answer your questions about career opportunities within the Baltimore County Police Department. And it's also a community event, so an opportunity for you to bring your kids out or your grandkids or your nieces, nephews, whoever it is, for a very safe trunk or treat event. A great chance for them to get their costumes on. And also, you know, as 
people in the community. We know that over the years there have been folks that have had trust issues with the police, and certainly that's understandable. And the Baltimore County Police Department kind of wants to come meet you to try to work on that. So this is just an opportunity, even if you're not thinking about a new career path, even if you're not you know, someone who might make sense for the cadet program, this might be a great chance just for you to interact with the Baltimore County Police Department and have a conversation and talk about the relationship between the community and the police. You can find out more by calling 410-887-4584 or visit joinbaltimorecountypd.com. I am going to be, this is actually going to be very difficult for me today because I'm so used to starting the show at 10 and having a sense for when we do certain things and benchmarks within the program. This is going to be a little bit odd, so just bear with me. I might make some mistakes. We start discussing a week four win for the Baltimore Ravens. And and I, I said this. We did uh, Project Game Day yesterday. Uh, great to have Femi Ayambadejo with us, Ravens Super Bowl champion. And I understood how he was going to answer it from the perspective of a player. And I even think it's fair from the perspective of an analyst. By the way, Project Game Day, every game day this season, after Ravens games, myself, Rita, and a group of special guests hanging out with you, facebook.com slash pressboxsports, youtube.com slash pressboxonline. Every game day this season, it's all brought to you by helpmygamblingproblem.org and Superbook Sports. And I said to Femi immediately when we started the show, how much value, how much do we actually learn? What do you take from a game in which you played against a quarterback that, frankly, was not NFL-ready. Which isn't to say that Dorian Thompson-Robinson can't, at some point, become an NFL quarterback. Maybe he will. But yesterday, he did not appear to be someone, and it's not just I'm trying to distract from the fact that the Ravens' defense, or detract, I mean, from the fact that the Ravens' defense played well. There were moments where he looked lost. There were moments where he looked like he didn't understand little things about how to play the position now it's not his fault was it who was it that took the sweep and ran like 20 20 yards backwards oh my god that was elijah, elijah moore. it was elijah moore but that that it was as many of the things that i saw from dorian thompson robinson that were troubling that was the least professional moment of the day well that was probably dtr's fault obviously yeah probably yeah. um by the way i've said this a long time the next layer to football is for backs, and in this case receivers, who get outside to understand that they can throw the ball out of bounds. It's something that no one ever talks about, and I never get the opportunity. This never happens on broadcasts that I'm working. Not that I would be at that level and that it would start a movement, but it's something that I have privately discussed for a long time. When you are strung out on a sweep and there is nowhere to go, if you have two yards worth of space, you can fire that ball towards the line of scrimmage, out of bounds. Now, and if, no one does it. No, if there if there's a lineman downfield, is that that would cause a problem? An that, eligible right? man yes. downfield, a hundred percent. But would you which which penalty would you rather? Uh, yeah, I guess if you're you know if you're twenty yards behind the line of scrimmage, yeah, like Elijah Moore, then yes. Yes, correct, <laughs> correct. Then yes, that is a worthy penalty. Yes, in that situation. Throw the ball out of bounds. But thankfully for the Ravens, he didn't do that, and he just decided to run backwards 20 yards for whatever reason. Um, 
Dorian Thompson Robinson was not an NFL quarterback yesterday. Now, there could be a number of reasons for that. It could be that he wasn't fully prepared because in the Browns' heart of hearts, they genuinely did not believe that he was playing yesterday's game. That everything they said during the week was true, that they believed Deshaun Watson was going to go, and he wasn't fully ramped up. That would be coaching negligence to not have your player fully prepared, but it's certainly possible. It's also possible that it's a fifth-round pick that is your backup quarterback. And for as much as we mock the idea of signing a veteran on a day like yesterday, I don't even know who the other quarterback is that's on Cleveland's roster. I couldn't even tell you who the other option would have been for yesterday's game. The Browns quarterbacks. Hang on a second. Browns depth chart. Browns depth chart says the other quarterback is P.J. Walker. Yes. Who's got plenty of NFL experience, including moments where he's looked capable. Now, I am inclined to sort of say that this is a very difficult conversation for me because I'm the guy that always says, hey, look, your backup quarterback's not winning anything anyway, so what does it really matter what you do at that position? But the argument always is, but what if it's not for a stretch? What if it's only for a game or two? And I don't think that the story would have been much different if the Browns had played P.J. Walker yesterday. And I I don't really know. Like, they might very well say to you, look, we ran training camp, and Dorian Thompson-Robinson looked better. They didn't sign uh, P.J. Walker until the end of camp, August 30th. Or wait. That's very weird. Are you sure he was... He wasn't around, and they cut him and then signed him back or something like that? No, he was... Yeah, he was released by the Bears. Uh, during, oh, right, because they went with yeah. t- uh, Badgent or whatever yeah. as their backup yeah. quarterback. He was released by the Bears at the end of Bears training camp, and then they picked the, the Browns scooped him up. So. I, look, man, this is not my problem. This yeah. is their problem, obviously. I, I am befuddled as to why... Yeah, but, I mean, yeah, like we saw that, last year with Baker coming into L.A. on two days' notice. Yeah, he at least looked like an NFL quarterback. He at, looks, at least looked like he was capable of handling those situations. At no moment did Dorian Thompson-Robinson appear that way. And, again, that's for them to, to deal with, and they can talk about that out in Cleveland, and they can have that conversation. But it, in context, is part of what we're trying to react to. So how do you react to this? On the base level... The result is very good. That's the part that actually matters to the Baltimore Ravens, right? They're 3-1. and one. They won another division game on the road. They're in very good shape. As disappointing as the Colts thing was, and it still lingers, because now you really find yourself saying, boy, you'd be 4-0. and oh, You'd have the best record in the AFC. You'd, what the heck? But as disappointing as it was, this result is more valuable. These are more valuable results. Esoterically, it's tough to lose a home game because you can say things like, well, it's harder to win on the road and you want to stockpile as many home games as you get. But for tangible value, for trying to win the division, which is the first way that you can guarantee yourself a playoff spot, for tangible value, what's happened yesterday and in week two is more significant than them losing in week three to the Colts at home. There's no way around that. But did we learn that the Ravens are a step closer to being a Super Bowl champion yesterday? That's the part that's difficult to answer. There were good things that occurred. Mark Andrews getting back involved, you think, is a positive thing, a reminder that for as many wide receivers as this team had, 
it never really made sense for the Ravens to not be focused on Mark Andrews because, you know, he's Mark Andrews. That was a good thing. They still put up 28 points on a defense that we all think is still legit. Specifically what they did in the second quarter. Mm -hmm. Because we can't bamboozle our way into believing that this was a dynamic offensive performance from the Ravens. They were gifted an unbelievable field position off a turnover, and they cashed it in. And then they were still struggling. But even leading up to the fumble, the fumble bogged down what had been an, an effective drive. But that drive notwithstanding the fumble, and everything that happened after that in the second quarter was extraordinarily positive, if you want to look at it that way, against, to your point, what we thought was maybe the best defense in football. That quarter was incredibly... I, I don't even know if the, what the correct term is. It was heartwarming for... If you're trying to gauge something and say that it is valuable moving forward and your belief for the Ravens to win the AFC to go to the Super Bowl, you could say, hey, you're not going to play a defense as good as that maybe this season. I don't know. We still don't have enough of a sample size, but I think the Browns' defense is pretty good. Miles Garrett looks really good. Miles Garrett is ridiculous. I mean, he's absurd. But you can look at it and say that's the best, if not one of the best, defenses that we're going to play this season – And they were able to put together two, two and a half, if you include leading up to the fumble, really effective, mix plays up, dial up multiple things that work, impose your will a little bit types of drives. Not one fluky play, not one goofy ball that tipped your way, not two and to two and a half, really effective, mix it up, the type of stuff that you were doing against the Bengals drives. And that, encouraging is probably the correct word, that's probably the most encouraging thing that you could say from that game. Now, again, you can't pretend like it was some dynamic offensive performance because for the first quarter, you were barely capable of moving the ball, save for the one touchdown play. In the second half, you had one effective drive. Now, how much they were trying in the second half, we can certainly have that conversation. It didn't seem like they were mixing up the play calling and doing the same types of things that they were doing in the second quarter. I don't think they just stopped trying altogether from a play calling standpoint. I don't think that we can just say, hey, the second half doesn't matter because the Ravens weren't even trying to do anything. I don't think it's that simple. But you could say hey, maybe if the Browns had been more effective offensively, the Ravens might have pulled a few more tricks out of their sleeve and done some different things offensively in the second half. But on the total, while ironically it's the first time that they've scored 28 points in a calendar year, go figure, we can't pretend like it was a brilliant offensive performance for four quarters. It was a quarter of really good offensive football, and that's all they needed. And John Harbaugh alluded to that after the game. So does that make us feel like they're closer to being a Super Bowl threat? I don't know that we're going to get that answer until you see all of the pieces or as many of the pieces as possible back on the field. And that's the tricky part about this conversation. In the same way that 
I'm willing to be somewhat dismissive of the Colts thing. I'm I'm still sort of playing the waiting game of exactly what I think the Ravens are. By record, they're three and one. They're atop the AFC North. They've got really good wins, and we had belief coming into the season that they could be a threat to win the AFC. And right now, nobody is separate. We thought the Dolphins were separating themselves. They came crashing back down to earth yesterday. Maybe that's a reminder that the Bills are reestablishing themselves as being the Buffalo Bills. The Chiefs have looked wildly imperfect. I mean, they have looked yeah. flawed. But they have Taylor on their side, so... I, I understand... Wait, oh, Taylor cares about that. <laughs> they have good football players. They have Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes, so I think they're going to be okay. And Chris Jones. They have those guys, and so I think they'll be all right. But they've looked flawed. Nobody else has stepped up obviously the AFC North has looked human to say the least yesterday the other teams in the AFC North looked terrible yeah but they have at to put it kindly it's not looked like maybe the murderers row within the division that some people thought it could become before the season everybody was a believer in the Bengals everybody was a believer in the Ravens lots of folks believe that the Steelers were the team on the come and the Browns were kind of the wild card. We're like, well, maybe they could be that team. And it's been a mixed bag. The Ravens have obviously looked like the best and most consistent of the four teams in the division. That's, from a practical standpoint, these are good things. These are positive feelings that we have about the Baltimore Ravens. Does it tell us with certainty that they've separated themselves and they're definitely in the upper echelon? We used to always talk about the quarter poll as being the first opportunity within the NFL season that you could really judge a team, right? That until you had four games worth of evidence, technically four games is not the quarter poll any longer. Thanks a lot, jerks. What are we supposed to do? Pause at the end of the first quarter next week and say, all right, guys, we need to stop for a second. This is our quarter mark. Yep, everybody go back in the locker room because now we got to send the pundits out. (laughs) So everyone can do their first Uh, quarter grade. We send all of the analysts down to the field. And you guys can watch us for a bit, and then we'll come back and play the rest of the football game. Thanks a lot, yeah, losers. We're 23.5% of the way. I will still choose to reference this as the quarter poll because, again, in this business, I spent years doing that, and this was the first time that we had the opportunity to talk about these things. And how do I feel about the Ravens at the quarter? Quote-unquote quarter poll. I'm encouraged I feel far more positive than negative. You need to see some of these guys get back out on the field. And some of them will have the opportunity starting this week. That doesn't mean that they will. I don't know if Tyus Bowser will just come right back and play. Some of the guys like Keaton Mitchell and you know Malik Ham. I don't think we have any expectation that's going to be the plan. We, I think we believe that it's just as likely that they never see the field this season. And as the Ravens got the running backs back yesterday, that that core looked good. Yesterday happened to be a day where the Ravens' offense looked a little bit better when Justice Hill and Melvin Gordon were involved than when it was Gus Edwards who was the dynamic lead back in the first quarter. That doesn't mean that I think that Gus Edwards should suddenly have his role lessened. I just think that there will be some weeks. And he still had a one big run there in there, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not, I'm not trying to say that he was yeah. bad yesterday. It just seemed like the offense was better when the threat of the way they were using space and they even tried throwing the ball to Gus Edwards yesterday, right. but it's just not its not his thing. 
but they looked a little bit more functional with Justice Hill and Melvin Gordon, who I got to be honest with you, like the pass catching thing wasn't part of my expectations for Melvin Gordon, but he looked pretty comfortable as a pass catcher. Um, yeah, I mean, it seems like they can really rotate these three. I mean, I'm not saying that's the answer and it makes them a much better offensive football team, but they can rotate these three, I feel like, in they're trying to in any way they want. I mean, maybe Gus isn't really the guy for to be the pass catcher, but uh, it looks like Justice Hill, we know Justice Hill can be a pass catcher, and Melvin Gordon's showing that off as well. So so I like, I mean, I, if, I, I would like to see more of a uh, constant rotation, I think. Well, and I think that's going to be the plan. And I think yeah. that, that was... And I guess Justice Hill's still coming back. And right, I think it was encouraging yesterday to see he that did they... Have the 50, I mean, that 50-yard run was called back, but but he looked really good. I, I think Justice, yeah. they, the offense looked to be more dangerous yesterday when Justice Hill was on the field. I think it might be something different next week. It's totally possible that next week, what makes the Ravens more dangerous is the threat of Gus Edwards between the tackles. I, I think it's a game-by-game situation. It's in the film work that you do that week. It's as the game plays out. Yesterday, that appeared to be the case. It might be something different in other weeks. On our post-game show yesterday, Femi was really banging the table about Jonathan Taylor. Like, he was going crazy about Jonathan Taylor. I'm willing to give up a first-round pick to get Jonathan Taylor. Femi was all over it. Says, I, nothing against these guys, but there's an opportunity to get special and someone that you can count on in all situations that's out there you no longer are as committed to J.K. Dobbins as being your guy, so you have a need at running back moving forward, so why wouldn't you be willing to sign him? I, it's all fair points that Femi made. I don't know how I feel about it. It's I'm still kind of torn about it, but I've not been dismissive of it anytime it's been brought up. But I was encouraged by what I've, I've seen. I, I keep coming back to encouraged. I am not convinced yet that the Ravens are a top three team in the AFC. But it's because I'm not really convinced that much of anyone is. Like, I I think maybe that we've been reminded that Buffalo will be. Yeah. And I think I'll always say that the Chiefs are as long as Patrick Mahomes is breathing. But that's probably the list at the moment. It could still be Miami. It might be that yesterday was just a fluke and that they've got a weird Buffalo thing that they can't get over and it's hard to figure, but... It just is what it is. That's problematic for them, but that's not our problem. It might very well be that Miami is one of the top three teams, or it might be that the Ravens are one of the top three teams. I don't really know who else. I mean, the Houston thing is is crazy. I said at the beginning of the year I thought they could be a team that would be on the come this season. Remember we had that conversation with Sean Salisbury, and we were very simpatico about that. They appear to be getting there much quicker than I expected them to. I'm still not sure how heavy I buy into it. Jacksonville's been weird. It's been hard yeah, to figure them they, out. Like they still they still feel like they can play much better than they have. I still think that should be a good game next week, especially with them being comfortable in London and sort of being settled. Whereas Buffalo's got to come this week. I, I have God, you try to figure out the Chargers. My God, who knows what they are. It might very well be that the Ravens are one of the top three teams in the AFC. I just don't know it yet. I'm encouraged. And there's still reason for optimism. There's still reason to believe that it can keep getting better as they keep plugging more pieces in. They're about to be in desperation territory as far as pieces in the secondary are concerned. They were already in desperation territory. They need Marlon Humphrey back on the field yesterday. Like, they need Marlon Humphrey back a week ago. 
Now you add in the everything else, Jalen Armour Davis getting hurt. You add in to who is the, the other Daryl Worley. Worley got hurt yesterday. Yeah. I mean, it's disastrous beyond disastrous. And yet they're holding up. Yeah. They're somehow, some way, they're they're not it's not what happened against Miami a year ago. That hasn't no. happened yet. Go figure. They've somehow managed to make it work, but they are in hell. And that was one of the other things that I talked about, you know, with Femi yesterday. Like, hey, I'm not even if I said I was on board with Jonathan Taylor, I think there are arguments that it's not your biggest area of need. And in the same way that like the Patrick Queen thing is uh, sorry, the Roquan Smith thing has worked out heroically if Lamar Jackson hadn't gotten hurt last year, would the question have been that they just would have been better off trying to find a wide receiver? I don't know. It's we don't ever want to revisit it because it was it's been so good that we believe it was worth it no matter what. I, they might need a corner more than they need anything else. They might still need an edge rusher more than they need anything else. Again, I'll use encourage. I keep coming back to encourage. It's the word of the day. I'm encouraged by Kyle Van Noy having something to offer in his first game, despite not being here, being kind of thrown into the fire. He wasn't perfect. Let's not let's not overstate what Kyle Van Noy did yesterday. Broke up a pass. That was a very good thing. Whiffed on a sack that should have been. Got very fortunate that it was an incompletion because that was that was all on him. That was his man. He should have come down with that sack, and that was a bad whiff. But he was involved, and he contributed. And if that's something that can be built on, that's, again, encouraging. The word of the day is we should have the Pee Wee's Playhouse thing. Encouraging. Um, rest in peace, Paul. Love you. Um, I, 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 have, I have positive feelings about where the Ravens are. There are things that I still want to see them do better. I don't think they're getting the ball downfield the way that you would have hoped with what we thought was going to be the best wide receiver room the Ravens had ever put together. Well, they've been on the field for... That's part of the problem, for sure, but I agree. That's definitely part of the... But, like, they still have to figure out a way to get the ball downfield better and more frequently. Like, they have not proven themselves to be a team that can threaten you vertically through four games in the season. That's okay as long as it comes, and part of it is well. I mean, by the way, they did have the one bomb. Um, so Zay, mm-hmm. yeah, the yeah. I mean, but anytime Lamar rolls out and makes more time, and Lamar Jackson helps. has an ever capable arm, and you'll yeah. kind of believe that it's there's a threat no matter what. But they need to s- establish a consistent downfield threat, and Zay Flowers has not been used as a consistent downfield threat so far, which, for what it's worth, kind of makes sense. That's not really. Zay Flowers did not come into the league as Torrey Smith. He came into the league as a get-the-ball-in-his-hands-no-matter-what type of playmaker who is capable down the field, but it's not necessarily his strength. They've got to figure out how they can take the top off of defenses still. And they've got time, and they've won three or four games despite that not really being a part of their offense so far. I've liked efficient Lamar Jackson. I've liked Lamar Jackson who's willing to check down. It's been one of the things that I've given a knock to about Lamar Jackson in the past is not being interested in checking down the man that's in front of him. All of a sudden, Lamar Jackson looks like one of the most efficient passers in the NFL. Part of it 
is because he's checking down. That's a good thing. I, I'm not I'm never gonna be opposed to that. But it's gotta be both, right? Like you gotta both be efficient and taking what's in front of you, and you've got to show that you have a real threat of getting downfield. There are things that I have liked. There are things that I am still concerned about. I am still concerned about the edge rush. I'm going to be concerned. They have tried to creatively generate a rush, and obviously the Kyle Hamilton thing worked in week three, not to win the game, but to get three sacks. I am concerned about their ability with the game on the line. The comparison I always make is they didn't have a brilliant defensive performance the first time they beat Patrick Mahomes, but they won the game thanks to their edge rush. Somebody made a play when a play needed to be made, and the way the NFL works anymore is that in a game like that, your secondary is probably not going to be what wins you a game. It's probably going to have to be someone up front disrupting, making that type of play, and I am concerned. I think Jadavion Clowney has been probably better, better yeah, I think than so. I expected uh-huh. him to be. And that's, by the way, that's part where we have to acknowledge we yeah, had a very bar. low bar. Came in a week before the season started, so. And and having not really played particularly good football of, of you know, our oh. our expectations for Jadavion Clowney were like, might as well. <laughs> that's where we were. So he's exceeded that. But let's not pretend like he's playing at a, a high level. He's just been better than meh. And he stayed on the field. So sure, that, all of those things are lot. good. Agreed, agreed. But they need more. Yeah, they need more. They need a more consistent edge rush if they are going to beat. And we're talking about winning playoff games against the Bills and the Chiefs. They need more. They got a whole season to work on that. I was when we were having this conversation yesterday with Femi. I brought up like maybe Daniel Hunter's the guy who's on the trade block and. You know, when you're trying to pay a big price for Jonathan Taylor, is it ultimately that Daniil Hunter is the guy that makes the better or the more sense for this team? He pushed back. He said, I'd rather be Jonathan Taylor. That's fine. You know, Femi's all in on – look, Femi's also a running back for what it's worth, right? Like, But I respect it, and I think Jonathan Taylor's special, and so I get it. I'm not – like. The conversation that we had yesterday wasn't me saying, Femi, I think you're crazy. I don't think he's crazy. I understand it. I'm just not as gung-ho about it. I'm still kind of trepidatious about the thought. And I thought Femi, his thoughts were, were well, he's like, I'm not going to trade that. I'm not telling you I'm going to trade a first-round pick without having seen Jonathan Taylor on the field this season. If he doesn't play, I'd want to make it conditional. And I don't know what that market looks like. I, I I would encourage you to go back and watch and listen to um, Project Game Day yesterday. It was a well-thought-out conversation. It was a good back and forth. I appreciate it. It's part of what I like about Femi. And he's been very good at this. You know, he's he's been at every radio station in town. He's done this for a while, and he's very good at it. We had a great chat. But I'm still going to be concerned about the edge rush. I am. I I I, I hope they get these guys back. And but like we didn't know what they were before they got hurt. So what confidence do I have that, like, David Ajabo can be the answer moving forward this season? Where would that come from? Just looking at a, I guess, what uh, quantity over quality, I guess, just having more guys back. Uh, sure. Yeah. And, and I'm not I, I, I'm not saying I don't want him right. back on the field, but I can't tell you, oh, everything is going to be solved because David Ajabo is going to return later this year. Uh, based on what? <laughs> Based on he was drafted in the second round. Right, right. <laughs> and it would have been a first-round pick had he not gotten hurt. Right, yeah, those are the answers. I, 
I just don't know. I don't know, man. I really don't know. I still want to see him back out there. I think the Ravens need to get a look at David Ajabo, figure out what they have. But I'm concerned. I'm going to be concerned. The defensive line has been very good, mm-hmm. right? The you know you could say Zach Moss ran for 120 yards, but like the they defensive line, times. Yeah. the defensive line has for the most part held up and played really well. I, I don't know that there's been one particularly dominant player along that line this season. I think both Matabike and Washington, frankly, Michael Pierce. Yeah, I think they've all had their moments. Brent Urban's had some moments and being factors in the pass rush too. Like. Sure, I mean like they've all. I, I I don't know that there's been one overwhelming player in the group. But I think they've all had their moments this season. I think the defensive line will be graded out quite well. The secondary has battled and has played over their heads. Yeah. Geno Stone, Brandon Stevens have been better than expected. Better than some people were willing to recognize. Yeah, still. Arthur Millette looked good yesterday. They've battled. I'm, I'm not ready to tell you. I'm confident there, and part of that is they continue to deal with injuries. But they've battled. They've held up. It's an incomplete at a lot of positions because we just haven't been able to see the guys, right? Like, we haven't been able to figure out who the actual players are. But I keep coming back to encouraged, and that's how I felt. At the quote-unquote quarter, quarter pole, I'm encouraged. There's no reason to be throwing a parade. There's no reason yet to... To say we know with confidence this is definitely a team that's going to be a factor deep into the postseason. But there is reason to be encouraged with the additional hope that something, reinforcements are coming. And that this team will be more complete as the season goes on. There will always be more injuries and that's the unfortunate part about football. But for the most part, it's not normally like this. It's not normally like 10 starters. So hopefully that's coming. Hopefully that's the case. All right. There you go. There's my uh, monologue, my soliloquy right. about the Ravens after their win yesterday. Still a lot to do on the program today. We need to uh, dish out some pats on the ass. Get me yours, at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter. Um, I get it. It was a weird day. It's going to be a weird pats on the ass. We need to go over picks. Jeremy's going to join us in a little bit. And boy, he did not have a great start no. to joining our picks contest. <laughs> Big sigh of relief Good for us. from everybody else involved. <laughs> because we were all like, oh boy, we picked against Jeremy a lot this week. Well, as it turns out, that was the right thing to do. Go figure. Go figure. But we'll talk about that with him and we'll go over picks from the week. Also, um, I don't know what time you said that we were going to chat with Melvin Gordon. On uh, on the rundown, what, yeah. Oh, what I time said, did you say? I said about an hour into the program, so twelve twelve uh, the twelve thirty marker. All right, we'll do that then. Yeah. At twelve thirty, we'll chat yes. with Melvin Gordon. So why don't we do uh, pats on the ass or picks recap? One or the other when we come back in. We'll do okay. picks recap. We'll go over the week that was in the NFL. All right. That's next, Glenn Clark Radio. Why bet with the big boys this football season? Instead, try your hand with the local book, Superbook Sports, this fall. Superbook Sports is the book next door. Just a dedicated team of the best odds makers in Las Vegas, making sure you get the best prices and parlays anywhere. And now, Superbook will give you a bonus of up to $250 when you sign up and wager on the same day and use the promo code GlennClark23, G-L-E-N-N-C-L-A-R-K-2-3. So bet with the best. 
best and use the promo code GlennClark23 this football season with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. What's up, everyone? It's Tyus Bowser, and I've had so much fun hanging out with Rita and putting up with Glenn the last couple years that I've decided to do it again. Season three of the Tyus Bowser Show is happening this year as we'll be all over town, giving you the chance to get to know me and some of my teammates. As we talk football, life in general, and just say what needs to be said, you can find out more about the show by going to pressboxonline.com slash Bowser. If you don't live in the area, you can watch the shows live on Facebook and YouTube. And if you miss one, you can listen Friday nights at 105.7 a fan. So we'll see you all season long for the Tyus Bowser Show a partnership of press box and great ace memorabilia the next Tyus bowser show is tuesday october 3rd at guilford hall brewery in station north it's brought to you by superbook sports and don't forget if you or a loved one has a gambling problem visit helpmygamblingproblem.org picking a restaurant to try for the first time let's look at the costas in here's a few checklist items quality of the food check quality of service check does restaurant have plenty of free parking? Check. And finally, does restaurant have delicious steamed crabs, crab cakes, crab soup, and specials galore? Check, check, check. Costas Inn, 4100 North Point Boulevard. They check all the boxes. Visit Harford County this fall. Celebrate Arts Across Harford September 15th through the 30th with dance, theater, music, and visual arts. September 29th through October 1st is the largest Italian festival in Maryland, featuring entertainment, cooking demonstrations, a bocce tournament, and family fun. If you're headed to the Maryland Five Star, stay and play in Harford County. While you're there, enjoy the scenic views atop the king and queen seats and experience pumpkin patches, corn mazes, and fall brews along their Harford Light Trail. For more info, head to visit Harford.com. Maryland Open. What company has the expertise to make your home healthier by purifying your air and killing all viruses, allergens, and bacteria? A.J. Michaels. Heating and air conditioning in Baltimore and Annapolis. AJMichaels.com. The Baltimore County Police Department is now hiring with competitive salaries, including for experienced police officers, starting salaries between over $68,000 and over $82,000 based on your prior service time, accepting up to seven years of service times with only six weeks in the academy, minimum of two years prior experience. And police cadet starting salaries at over $32,000 must be between the ages of 18 and 20, but you can apply starting at 17 and a half, must have a high school diploma or GD equivalent at the time of the hire, U.S. citizen at the time of the hire, and a valid driver's license. So if you have a passion for service and want a career for life, now is the time to join the Baltimore County Police Department. Call 410-887-5542 or visit joinbaltimorecountypd.com. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. Sure, Glenn may be in his 40s now, but he looks just as good as he ever has, and he's still as sharp as he ever was. And I say both those things without even a shred of irony. Find out for yourself right now by watching the show at facebook.com slash pressboxsports or youtube.com slash pressboxonline. All right, back in here on GCR as we can continue along on a Monday edition of the program. Today's show is also brought to you by, well, this was brought to you by Live Casino and Hotel. Griffin, you want to tell everybody what's going on there? Yeah, yeah. Yes, I'd love to tell you about the- You going to be all right over there? Yeah, the second chance drawing, just because I'm so excited to tell you about it. If luck wasn't on your side uh, this weekend, uh, like maybe- you thought uh, maybe the Bengals would show up or something and beat the Titans, but well, then they got steamrolled. Uh, but you can uh, have a Saturday second. Whoa, yeah, whoa, 
Whoa. Too many S words there. Settle down. A shot at a second chance at live at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino in Hotel Maryland. Uh, turn those losses into winning opportunities with the second chance to win promotion between now and January 4th, 2024. All Live Casino and Hotel Maryland Rewards members will be able to enter their losing bet slips into the second chance to win drum. And two nights a week, 20 different winners will be chosen. Prizes range from Live Casino and Hotel Maryland apparel, sports and social ultimate happy hour prizes, and cash and free play up to $500. Strongs will be held every Thursday and Monday over at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino in Hotel Maryland. At Arundel Mills, must be 21. Please play, please play responsibly for help. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right. Let's uh, go ahead and go over the week that was in picks. And I... I was very disappointed because I thought I had a pretty good week in picks. And then I found out that so did most everyone else. There was not yeah, a lot of ground to be made up, even if you had a good week in picks. Not everyone, though, <laughs> as we'll get to. Uh, we got a group of now 11 in our picks league. Myself, yeah. Griffin, Andrew Stecka, KZ, Kyle Ottenheimer, Nick Kelly is in, John Proctor, John from Little Rock, Paul Valley, Ryan Challen, Jeremy Kahn. Now is the last member of our picks contest. Remember, Jeremy came in with a huge deficit. 16 games behind when he entered. Or was it 14 games? It was 14 games behind. 14 games behind when he started. And now he's lost. Yeah. We'll we'll, we'll, we'll settle down. Okay. Keep it in your pants. And so Jeremy said, dude, I think I can still catch up to these people. And if I don't, I'll be willing to pay the penalty, even though I started with a disadvantage. And so I said, well, it doesn't it doesn't benefit anyone. Nobody's uh, Jeremy's the only person that's hurt by this, so sure, all in. So this was Jeremy's debut week of picks. Man, but should we do should we wait to do this until Jeremy's on the phone with us? I just realized yeah, that. Yeah, cuz then he can defend well, he'll yeah, he'll I mean, give him a chance to But I don't want to go over I want to still have a conversation with Jeremy. I don't want to go over all the games with him. Yeah. So all right, let's we... just go over the games really quickly cuz okay, it gives okay. us the opportunity. Uh, we started with Maryland, Indiana. By the way, all of our lines came to us from Superbook. Again, use the code GlennClark23 when you sign up at Superbook, and you'll get a same-day first bet match up to $250. Win or lose. Again, Superbook.com. Download the Superbook app. Use the code GlennClark23 to take advantage of that spectacular offer. Um, Maryland. Heavy favorites against Indiana. Probably the closest thing we've seen so far to a four-quarter performance from Maryland this season. Still, Mike Loxley still was not happy. Well, he was particularly not happy. Jay Sean Jones earned his rage at halftime because he didn't get out of bounds to allow them the opportunity to try a field goal there before the half. They had a 27-3 lead, so it probably wasn't the end of the world, but like, Still, he's thinking about Ohio State. They ran the play. They did exactly what they wanted, and Jay Sean Jones just didn't get out of bounds. It was bizarre, man. And Jay John Jones is a nice football player and a, a nice young man, so I don't want to come down too heavy on Jay John Jones. But like, I don't blame Mike Mike Loxley for being pissed. That is football one hundred and one stuff right there. Like, what are you doing, guy? Like, what is happening? That said, Maryland won comfortably, forty-four to seventeen. Um, the weird part is that, like, in the first half, what was working was the big plays, the the consistent, like, just running the ball, that just it just yeah. wasn't clicking. It was a weird, strange day. But Indiana stinks, and Maryland had no problem. Maryland does not move into the top 25, as a lot of us thought they might. 
they are, I think, officially number or unofficially number 26 because they were the most of the teams receiving votes, but they don't make that a top 25 matchup against Ohio State on Saturday, and they are like three touchdowns. Let me double-check on that number from Superbook real quick because I thought I saw it was uh, 21 when it opened. and You know, it'll be interesting to see when we get the picks this week. It will be interesting to see how we feel about that number. Yeah, it it's 18 and a half. Oh, okay. 18 and a half yeah, is nice. the number at Superbook. So, Some respect, I guess. I guess. <laughs> I guess. If you feel a way about that number... Get to Superbook.com, sign up right now, and use that code Clark 23 but 18.5 Ohio State favored by in that one. Um, I, I have no idea why anybody was on Indiana, but Nick Kelly, Jeremy, I know why Ken Zalas was in on Indiana. He's allergic to picking Maryland, but felt kind of stupid about that one. Uh, Kansas, as 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 KZ said, it's funny because he remember KZ saying, I'm not going to pick a basketball school, and yet he picked Indiana. Just, I guess Indiana's not that good at basketball anymore. Maybe that's what he was trying to say there. Yeah, I guess. And it might be the case. Kansas never tech competitive with Texas. No. They lose 40-14 to 14 in that one um, as the bloom is off that rose. And it's maybe one more feather in the cap of Texas is the, the meme, the Texas is back meme. Maybe it is finally turning into reality. We will see. They get Oklahoma this Saturday. That'll be a big one um, at noon. But Kansas had three backers in our group. John from Little Rock, Ryan Shell, and, oh, Griffin Bass. Yeah, yeah. Who then doubled down on his basketball school prediction <laughs> and also took Duke, and ridiculous. I could kiss. Ridiculous. I, what's ridiculous about it? That, you know, the Duke should have covered. I mean, oh, they they, well, if you want to say they should have won because yeah, they shouldn't have given won. up fourth they, and 16, yes. But the yeah, cover part, won. not really the, the issue here. Nothing, nothing you know, Hinky happened at the end of that game. They just couldn't stop Notre Dame on fourth and sixteen. Well, I mean, is, they could have stopped the two point conversion at the very end. They, they could have done, but like the way but you yeah, say something matter. like that, yeah. it's like you're saying, "Well, it shouldn't have been that way." No, Notre Dame needed to go for two there in order to make it a seven point game. Everything was on the up and up. It would be like if Notre Dame was up by nine and decided to go for two to cover a ten point spread. Then something would be hinky. But they did exactly what they were supposed to do in that moment. They got it. I could kiss them. I hate Notre Dame, but I could kiss them in that moment as they got the cover, winning 21-14, to despite, again, being backed up 4th and 16 on the final drive and Sam Hartman scrambling to get it all himself, much like we saw Patrick Mahomes on 3rd and 22 last night, scrambling to get it all himself. Uh, it was Hartman calling his own number on 4th and 16 to keep that drive alive, and Notre Dame gets the win, although I don't think Duke's that good. <laughs> So I'm not all. I'm still not all that Clemson, impressed. Right? So, or is Clemson no good Clem either? I mean, have you been paying attention? Yeah. Well, I mean, they've almost they played Florida State close. Close. That's the best thing they have to say yeah, for themselves. At home. Uh, yeah, on yeah, to the so uh, uh, Griffin, Paul Valley, and Jeremy were all on Duke. On to the NFL Thursday night, uh, Detroit Green Bay. It was a shacking. John from Little Rock, Nick Kelly, Andrew Stecka, and Jeremy Kahn were all oh, on man, Jeremy, what Green are you Bay. Doing? Might be a common phrase. Maybe he was confused. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> uh, Jacksonville, Atlanta. Only Ryan Shell and Jeremy Kahn were in on Atlanta. Weird. Weird. Um, again, not overly impressed by Jacksonville in this game. No. I, I watched I mean, a good bit of it. I. It was nice for them to get Calvin Ridley involved, but they still just don't seem right offensively. They needed two more yards from Calvin Ridley. Ah, uh, it's a real bummer for you, yeah. man. 
real, what, for a bet or for, for parlay? Yeah, yeah. Everything was going well. That's a real it, bummer, you know, man. Just a nice quick slant to Calvin Ridley at the yeah, very end of the game. Just a real bummer. Real bummer. It is. Tank Good. Bigsby impressed me. I don't think like Etienne's going to lose his job, but I was impressed by Tank Bigsby. That's somebody if I were in a deeper fantasy league, like I had a roster spot that I could waste on something, I'd try to hold Tank Bigsby because he looks like someone who has something there with opportunity. Yeah. yeah. Uh, everybody else was on Detroit, who, uh, or sorry, was on Jacksonville besides those two. And they, uh, again, not overwhelmingly, but a, a fairly routine win. A game that was very quick. Uh, big week for to be a lone wolf. Andrew Stecka, the only one of us on Houston. Not only do they cover, but they win outright against Man. the Steelers. 30-6. to six. Not even close. An ass-kicking. Do we have an update on Kenny Pickett yet? Um, they're saying that it is it, it, all the all the reports that are coming out is that it's not a season-ending knee injury. But that still doesn't so seem good about his availability seem, for this week. Does not seem not good that about I this know. Week. As you guys know, I'm not really in on Kenny Pickett. I don't think all that highly of him. So I, I don't really know that I I feel that Let's much of a way about it. And of course, we in Baltimore have seen one too many backup quarterbacks over the years for the Steelers beat the Ravens anyway. So I'm not going to start uh, counting this as a victory just yet for the Ravens on Sunday. M- Mitchell Trubisky would be all they're the saying one. is that it's just avoided. It looks like they he's avoided damage to the ACL. Is, well, that would all that, they're that would seem to be a good thing, but I just don't know what that means yeah, for his availability. It sounds on like Sunday. I mean, the way they're phrasing it sounds like it's almost certain. But I mean, again, they I mean, uh, the al- MRI almost certain what almost certain that like he won't play. Like since they're saying. He's just narrowly avoided season-ending knee injury, but he'll still miss time. Like that's that's okay. so it sounds like he won't play. But he, nothing. Right, nothing that was the else. expectation that I thought we felt. So essentially, nothing is what you're trying to say. No, I mean I'm saying we have no no we don't know anything about shape. right. But they haven't said he's not playing on Sunday. Correct. Okay, thank you. But they're saying but they were. But these are all the same things that we knew yesterday. I was trying to figure out if there was an update okay. today. That, like Mike Tomlin said, hey, he's going to miss three to four weeks or something like that. That's what I was trying to get an answer on. As of 12-23, no. Thank you, Griffin. Don't call him the best color analyst in baseball for nothing. Uh, You're asking for reports. I asked if there was an update today. That's what I asked for. He's about to go undergo an MRI. Thank you. Um, Miami Buffalo, I I did not see it coming like that. I, I can't tell you that I'm stunned that Buffalo won. Um, at home, a Buffalo team that obviously had looked much better the week before and whatever happened in week one and whatever the, the bizarro scenario was that seemed to stem from the offseason and Zach Wilson magic, whatever, ri- yeah, that's what happened. Whatever, like riff, been last whatever riff we thought there was between Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs. Well, that was totally gone yesterday. They were, I've never understood why the bills throw the ball to anybody not named Stefan Diggs. I'm always like, you know, Stefan Diggs is alive, right? God, that play down the sideline. That was insane. One where the PI one where he, and he just shook, we're, we're shook like correct. three guys. Yeah. I mean, it was just bonkers, man. He's so good. And yet, and yet, we all still underappreciate him. I asked Griffin, who's got yeah. the top yeah, 9,000 career yeah. yards, and he's just like, I, I don't know. He's listing everybody in the league. I think ex- I said Gabe Davis before. Ex- except for <laughs> Stephon Diggs. It is wild how that guy has been underappreciated, man. Um. I was on Miami, so that was a bummer for me. Also on Miami were Ryan Shell. Tough week for old Ryan. KZ yeah. and Kyle Ottenheimer were on Miami. Uh, I have no idea. So uh, Andrew Stecka hung out with us for Project Game Day yesterday. 
And we were a couple minutes before we started the post-game show. We started a little bit early, but not as early as we could have, obviously, given how lopsided it was. So I was on there waiting for Rita and Femi and Andrew Steck and I were talking, and I was like, I was like, oh, how we doing? And he was like, well, we're both sitting at like, uh, he was like, I'm sitting at six and one. I think you're sitting at five, five and two, something like that. And I'm like, oh, wow, what what do we still have? And he was like, well, we have uh, New England, Dallas. I I picked Dallas, you picked New England. And I just said, why did I do that? <laughs> Was the game already what over in the at that world? Point? No, it was before it even started. I, I was just like, why did I I pick New England? <laughs> um, and then I remembered I probably said, like, well, I just don't trust Dallas and it's six and a yeah, half Los points Arizona. and you yeah. know, the whole thing. But yeah, that was stupid of me. Is that was another ass kicking, obviously. Uh, New England, in fact, benched Bailey or benched uh, Mac Jones at one point in the second half, although apparently Bill Mac Belichick looked he looked dreadful. But he's I don't know when I don't know when anyone has been convinced. It was like this all of the well, goofy things that we Bill O'Brien's back. I am for years going to laugh about some of the things that people said during the course of the Lamar Jackson negotiations. And that included a group of people who was like, Well look, man, if you gotta trade him, I mean, if New England wants him, I I'd I'd give it a run with Mac Jones. We get uh, the Ravens would. Okay. People that like huh, I mean I'd give Derek Carr a shot. I, I don't know. I might make a trade if I could get Trey Lance back. <laughs> the insane things that we were willing to you say know Trey Lance. during the course of the uh, negotiations. God. Dallas hammers New England 38-3. to <laughs> And it wasn't even that close. Um, and Bill Belichick does say that he's going back to Mac Jones next week for what it's worth. Good for Mac. I was on New England. In fact, this one was uh, more New England than Dallas, which is yeah. bizarre. Griffin was on Dallas. Paul Valley was on Dallas. KZ, John Little Rock, and Andrew Stecker were all on Dallas. The only ones on Cleveland, Ryan Shell and KZ, they would say, well, we didn't know that Deshaun Watson wasn't going to play. <laughs> That's the way betting works, dog. You get in on it, you can only work with the information that you have. That's the way that it goes. So, for the week, 8-1, and one, wow. and now back atop the table. Would you cushion. believe Andrew Stedka, who tried to quit the contest, <laughs> now has a two-game lead. Has he paid? Yeah, he's paid. Yeah, everybody's good. good. Everybody's good. good. Okay. Everybody's good. Two-game lead for Andrew Stedka. Then you find Ken Zalas coming off five and four weeks. Still a good week for him. It's very rare that you go five and four, and yet you have someone overtake you for first place. It doesn't happen typically, but Andrew Stedka went eight and one. KZ five and four. He's two games back. Kyle and Griffin, both six and three weeks. They're both three games back. Nick Kelly had a five and four week. He's four games back. I am back to 500 for the year after a six and three week. Well done. But again, I didn't make up any ground. It's a struggle. Go six and three for the week. I'm like, yeah, make up no ground. I'm uh, 22 and 22 on the year, five games back. A group, a trio, six games back. The Johns, John Proctor and John from Little Rock, Paul Valley, who, again, all had good weeks. Proctor and Valley both go seven and two. John from Little Rock goes six and three. And they're not making up ground this week. That's a very difficult week. Uh, They're 21 and 23, six games back for the year. Ryan Chell would be at the bottom of the table. Three and six (laughs) for the week, eight games back. But also going three and six in his debut, Jeremy Kahn. We'll have to find out what he has to say for himself. And it'll be ironic when he says, well, actually, my, my picks at PressBox and TheConcreteLocks.com were pretty good this week. 
just picked the wrong games in this competition. We'll find out. I don't know. But Jeremy Kahn now started 14 games back. He's now 16 games back of Ryan Chell as he tries to come, uh, avoid being the one that has to pay the penalty. Of course, coming in here, dressed as uh, the Notre Dame mascot, enjoying some blood sausage, tripe, and haggis, washing it down with a Will Levist Irish coffee, of course, more mayonnaise-filled Irish coffee, and also taking Irish dance lessons and then coming in performing what you learned and singing Nothing Compares to You and Zombie. That is the penalty for our loser. That's our picks recap. We'll get the pats on the ass before uh, we we wind things down for the day. Why don't we – can we grab a break and then talk to Melvin Gordon? Yeah, let's we'll do, do that. We'll grab a break here, and then when we come back in, we'll be joined by Ravens running back Melvin Gordon. Today's show brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and by a Toyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Come for a game, stay for everything else. Book an unforgettable fall getaway in Charm City. Enjoy only in Baltimore festivals, mouthwatering eats, and endless entertainment. Treat yourself to a staycation in the heart of downtown or try one of the city's many charming neighborhood hotels. And don't miss out on packages for free parking, breakfast, and more. Plan your stay at baltimore.org slash hotels. Why bet with the big boys this football season? Instead, try your hand with the local book, Superbook Sports, this fall. Superbook Sports is the book next door. Just a dedicated team of the best odds makers in Las Vegas, making sure you get the best prices and parlays anywhere. And now, Superbook will give you a bonus of up to $250 when you sign up and wager on the same day and use the promo code GlennClark23, G-L-E-N-N-C-L-A-R-K-2-3. So bet with the best. And use the promo code GlennClark23 this football season with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Six chicken tenders made from fresh, never-frozen Royal Farms world-famous chicken, a family-sized order of Western fries, honey mustard dipping sauce, and a two-liter bottle of Dr. Pepper. It's Royal Farms' new Tucker's Tenders Meal. It's Justin Tucker's favorite, and at only $19.99, it'll be your favorite meal, too. The new Tucker's Tenders Meal, available only at Royal Farms. Now you can kick back, relax, and eat like a champion. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. The Maryland Five Star returns to iconic Fair Hill October 19th to 22nd, marking the next chapter in Maryland's equestrian tradition. Best described as the triathlon of horse eventing, you won't want to miss this thrilling sport. Enjoy a fall festival with local fair, retail vendors, and tons of family fun. Come for the event and stay for the experience in Cecil County, home to the Chesapeake Bay waterfront with vibrant small towns and accommodations to suit every desire. It's the place to be in October. Visit MarylandFiveStar.us for tickets. What's up, everyone? It's Tyus Bowser, and I've had so much fun hanging out with Rita 
and putting up with Glenn the last couple years that I've decided to do it again. Season three of the Ties Bowser Show is happening this year as we'll be all over town, giving you the chance to get to know me and some of my teammates. As we talk football, life in general, and just say what needs to be said, you can find out more about the show by going to pressboxonline.com slash Bowser. If you don't live in the area, you can watch the shows live on Facebook and YouTube. And if you miss one, you can listen Friday nights at 105.7 a fan. So we'll see you all season long for the Tyus Bowser Show, a partnership of Pressbox and Great Ace Memorabilia. The next Tyus Bowser Show is Tuesday, October 3rd at Guilford Hall Brewery in Station North. It's brought to you by Superbook Sports. And don't forget, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, visit HelpMyGamblingProblem.org. What company has the expertise to make your home healthier by purifying your air and killing all viruses, allergens, and bacteria. A.J. Michaels, heating and air conditioning in Baltimore and Annapolis, ajmichaels.com. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. Make sure you're tuned in every Tuesday for Pressbox Fantasy Football Analyst Joe Serpico to get you ready for your Waiver Wire Wednesday, brought to you by Live Casino and Hotel. And if you have other fantasies you want fulfilled, subscribe to Glenn and Jeremy Kahn's OnlyFans page at... Wait, are people supposed to know about that? All right, back in here on GCR as we continue along here on a Monday edition of the show. Don't forget, Stan the Fan Charles, Ross Grimsley, Luke Jackson, every Monday they're talking baseball with you. Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. And if you missed it live, you can also watch it the next day. YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline or PressBoxOnline.com slash video. And they're going to preview the wild card round of the playoffs, talk about who it is that I have not I by the way, I wrote today about the Orioles instead of the Ravens of Pressboxonline.com. And my column is more just sort of an overview of where I think things are going into the playoffs. Like, you know, maybe let's not completely ignore the fact that the Orioles didn't score any runs down the stretch. Like, let's not I I think we can make excuses and say, hey, maybe they're, you know, dealing with the weight of trying to clinch and I don't know. I just feel like I I want to file it away. I'm a little bit concerned about the offense. I know this weekend didn't matter, but it's not just this weekend. Like it goes back to the Houston series. They haven't really scored runs since then. So I just filing that away a little bit as hopefully this is a nice little respite for them these these couple of days and they come out of it and they're in better shape because of it. Also touches on the fourth spot in the rotation touches on the back end of the bullpen. A whole column today. I what I didn't touch on is who do I want to have win the series? Because I have no opinion about that. I, it's going to sound weird. I really have no opinion. I I know that what's going to be brought up by a lot of people is it's shameful that like the way that it exists in baseball is that the two teams with the best record can meet in the second round. And like I hear you. It is shameful. It's it doesn't seem right, but they were the like, two far and away. You, you got to beat the teams. other good teams in baseball in order to win the World Series. Like I, I yeah. it is sort of the, it shouldn't be that way. I, I'm not on a yes or no. It shouldn't be that way. But I'm not worked up about it. I also don't know definitively today that the Rays are better than the Rangers are. I just don't know. The Rays have not been the same team since they had stockpiled such an absurdly great start. They've still been good and competitive, but part of the reason they have that record is because of the insane start of the season they got off to. For the most part this year, the Orioles have performed well against the Rays. I don't really have a strong feeling about this one way or the other, honestly. 
I don't. So I didn't include that today, but I'm sure the guys will talk about that today when they get together, as we know that it'll be the Rays Rangers series winner that will be in Baltimore on Saturday for game one of the division series. This man was uh, very involved yesterday, and um, when uh, this morning he took a few minutes for us before we started this delayed show, so uh, apologies as I was not actually here in studio. We did this uh, over Zoom, but an opportunity to catch up with Ravens running back Melvin Gordon right here on GCR. Well, a pleasure now to be joined here on GCR by a man who was very much in the mix for the Ravens yesterday, including a lovely catch down the left sideline on a nice feathered pass from Lamar Jackson. He is Ravens running back Melvin Gordon, and he is with us here on GCR. Melvin, it's Glenn. It's great to chat with you, man. Thank you for taking the time for us. Man, thanks for having me, man. Appreciate it. Absolutely, dude. I can only imagine how good it felt to, to get involved in a big win like that yesterday. I know it's got to be like a, a kind of a strange place in your career where you've accomplished so many things and now you kind of have to fight for opportunities. How good of a feeling was that yesterday? Uh, you know, anytime you get a victory, it feels good. But, um, you know, it feels better when, you know, you, you, you know, you contributed to the win. So, um, you know, just hats off to everybody who kind of played a part in that. Melvin, there were a lot of stories about the opportunities that you could have had um, in places where you were wanted going into the season. Can you take us through why it was that you wanted to be a part of this here in Baltimore, even though it meant, you know, nothing was going to be guaranteed for you? Yeah. Oh, man. I mean, just across the league, I think since I've – uh, you know, gotten in the league, you've only heard great things about, you know, the Ravens and, and how good of an organization and um, organization it is. And, uh, you know, I knew they liked to run the ball. It, it always kind of fit my style of, of play. Um, so, you know, I probably should have been out here maybe, you know, you know, a year or two ago. But, you know, I'm here now and, uh, you know, just got to make the best of it. But, you know, it holds true. Um, the organization is, you know, it's top notch. I don't think second to none. Um, you know, and I'm enjoying my time here, man. No, I appreciate that. And I think a lot of people appreciate it. I remember, uh, and I've told the story, you and I had a chat right before you got drafted, right? And I, I'll, I'll give it away. We get off the phone and we stop recording and you say, bro, I need you to know how badly I want to be in Baltimore. Yeah. And, and of course, at the time it was because Coach Hammock was here, right? And you had that connection yeah. with Wisconsin. But it felt to me like there was something that, that it was, uh, it was, of course, that but it was also, it sounded like you were talking about what you knew about the Ravens organization and hearing you say it should have been a year or two ago. It feels like maybe that never went away. Yeah. Like you always <laughs> wanted to be a part of this thing. Yeah. I think some things are supposed to happen where I was supposed to be here, but, um, you know, just didn't, didn't fall through all the way, but, um, yeah, my coach, uh, coming out, you know, I kind of, like I said, you know, I, I felt, I felt like, you know, everyone watched the Ravens and I felt like, um, the their style of play kind of fit what I did at Wisconsin, you know, and then it did help that my coach was there. So I was walking into, you know, familiar grounds. Um, but, you know, it all, you know, I'd all circle back and, uh, you know, here we are. Melvin Gordon is with us here on GCR after a big Ravens win yesterday. Melvin, how has this team overcome losing so many guys, right? Like what it's almost insane that you look at the inactive yeah. list and everyone on the list is a con not just a contributor, in most cases, a star, right? 
How has this team been able to put all of that aside and get off to a three and one start? What have you learned about the culture, the leadership, mm-hmm. this group of guys that has allowed for that to happen? I think it's just it just pays contributes to like, you know, just just how they go about work every day. Um, you know, regardless of of who's in, you know, um, coach expect the expectation to be high. I expect you to go out there and practice hard. I expect you to get your job done um, and expect to win uh, regardless. And we all know that injuries happen. It's a part of the game. Unfortunately, we've we've had more than we probably wanted at this point in time, especially this early. But, um, you know, we do get some of those guys back, um, which, which is good. Uh, so, but it's tough, man. It's tough. But I just think it just falls down to the culture, man. Everyone practices so hard. It's just ridiculous. And then, you know, they practice so hard that they're ready for the moment. They're they're thirsty and ready for the moment. You know, everybody wants the moment. And then when they get it and they get their moment, you know, everyone's trying to make opportunity and make the best of it. So it's just credit to how, you know, these coaches and the organization really just goes about their business every day because then there's no lack in play. And, and you know, obviously you can see that. That throw that I'm referenced from Lamar dropping it right in the bucket to you on the left side, yeah. right? Like, how, how much had you guys worked on that? And, like, what kind of smile do you have when a play like that plays out the exact <laughs> way that you imagine it going? Yeah. Well, we've been we've been repping that, um, those type of plays like that for – for a while, you know, pretty pretty much since training camp, and uh, you know, it's kind of good when uh, you know you you can get it in the game and 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 make it work, um, especially taking all those reps, and then you actually out you know getting the opportunity uh, to get that play. I think most backs love to kind of be have the ball, ball thrown to them outside, you know, yeah. out, out of the backfield, especially down the field like that, because you know you really don't get too many opportunities down the field you know um so it's love and then he made a perfect pass i don't think it could have got any perfect uh nelson kind of set the pick and uh it's just was crazy i mean he's it was a perfect pick he didn't even touch him and the guy almost you know almost fell and it was just <laughs> i mean the play worked out magically so um you know kudos to the, to the oc drawing that up man that was that they y'all were in your bag on that one, man. That yeah, was a lot was of fun nice, for nice. everybody. What what have you learned about Lamar, right? Like I'm I'm sure, you know, given who you are and the status that you have in league circles, that you would probably yeah. at least have conversations or new guys that knew guys, but being mm-hmm. around him every day and how he's driven, what have you learned about him and what has it meant to you to have that opportunity to work with him? Um, that he's so competitive, man. He's he's very competitive. Um you know, and he hates losing, you know, he hates losing. And, and, and he says that all the time. He like, man, I don't care what we do. I just want to win, <laughs> you know? And, and I think that's why him and Coach Harbaugh are just so close. Cause I, you know, he wants to win more than anything, you know, and that tops, that tops a lot. And he cares about all of us, but at the end of the day, he wants to win and Lamar wants to win. And, and how he, he, he just so smooth running the ball, man. I mean, obviously he could pass, you can see the dime he threw. Yep. And, uh, you know, and he's even gotten better, you know, since he's been in the league with throwing the ball. I mean, and he, and it's only room for improvement. He's only going to continue to keep growing in that, that area. Um, but he's so smooth running the ball the way he naturally sets up blocks and, and, and do that. And as a running back, you kind of pay attention to that, you know, how you set up blocks, how you do that. And, you could tell he's just he's just gifted at what he do, man. But he's super cool though. He's down to earth. That, you know, he's not 
He's he's down to earth. Man. That was exactly where I wanted to go with it. Like it's impossible how cool he is, isn't he? Like he's yeah. just nothing. I don't know changes him in any way. Yeah. And every conversation you have, like even when you're just walking in the locker room, like that dude, he's the exact same person yeah. at, at all times. It blows me away how remarkably cool he is. Yeah, true Florida boy, man. True Florida boy. Yeah, is that, <laughs> I, I mean, hanging out with the Florida guys, and they cool, man. He, I, he fall right in suit with those boys. Man. I mean, dude, it, it it's working for him. Like, let's make that abundantly clear. It is working for him. Um, just another couple minutes here with Melvin Gordon, Ravens running back after a huge win yesterday. Um, Melvin, I, I, you mentioned the you know Ravens football and running the ball. Obviously, it was going to be a little bit different this year because the team that ran the ball all the time with Greg Roman, they were going to mix things up with Todd Munkin. You bring up like Todd Munkin going into his bag for that play yesterday. What have you learned about Coach Munkin and the way that he operates in offense and – how much of a fit it's been for your group of guys so far? Yeah, I mean, I I, I can't really uh, compare last year with this year, right? Um, because I wasn't I wasn't here. Um, but you know, he's trying to find a way to be more balanced. He tries to find a way to, um, you know, get everybody in position to win and positions to be great. Um, and I think, you know, the sky's the limit what he can do with this offense and and, and it's showing. Uh, you know, he's he's dialing things up and you know, he he you know, he, you never know who's gonna shine in, in in what particular game. Um, the way he's scheming things up, man. So um I'm excited to keep working with him. Um, you know, I think, you know, they brought him in for a reason. They know what he can do. Um, you know, he and he's showing it. And uh he's only gonna continue to keep showing it. And, uh, you know, we got the players to make him look good. <laughs> you know, he's going to call it, and we got the players. We got the skill set. I mean, we got so many receivers that can do so much. Uh, you know, I think at times it, it, it should get hard for him because – got to get the ball to all of them. Ball, but you only, yeah. got, <laughs> you, got, you only got one football, man, and you have so much talent. So, you know, I don't know how they shake things up in the room to get who the ball and how they scheme it up. But, uh, you know, thus far he's done – you know, he's done a phenomenal job with, 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 with sharing the ball amongst the team. But, uh, you know, it, it'd be hard for me to be your offense coordinator with so much talent, man. <laughs> this is actually a talented football team. and uh, But he's, 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 he's doing what he needs to do, man. Uh, we're not in the, the – we're in a great place, you know, but, I, but it's, it's more to achieve, so we're not comfortable. I appreciate that. I, and I wanted to reference like you. It, it's an interesting scenario because you you got a ring right from a year ago. Yeah. But I, I have no doubt that you want to be like involved. You want to be the guy that's like making yeah. plays in order to win. A, can you can is that what drives you now? And I, I have no doubt that you have pride in the fact that you can call yourself a Super Bowl champion for forever. Mm -hmm. um, I, like I talked to guys, uh, Jamil McClain here in Baltimore is a guy that like it bummed him out that he was hurt when the Ravens won the Super Bowl and he didn't yeah. get to make that impact. How much does that drive you now? Okay. I've got a ring, but I want to be like on the field contributing and, yeah. and, and having that feeling of playing and winning a Super Bowl. Man, that makes, man, it, it, it'll mean a lot, you know, and, 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 and not to take away from winning that ring because that I was still emotional and I was still, it was just, it's something as a kid you always dreamed of. You know, you watch the guys on there tearing up and holding up the trophy, and it's just like, you know, I want to be a part of that one day. And regardless how you get there, 
even if you get there, it's still an accomplishment in your life, yep. right? Um, but to 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 hold up the trophy knowing that you contributed in a way to win the game that day um would mean everything. Um so you know that that that's what I'm chasing. I'm chasing another ring, man. That that feeling was just it's it's more than enough for you to continue to keep striving every day to get that feeling again. You know, I tell people all the time I can see why Tom Brady plays so long. Like you know, winning that ring is like, you know, it's almost like a drug that you probably will never experience again or you probably will. And it's just like, you know, it's just so much joy. Like, that's probably one of the I'm not I don't have kids. I'm not married. Um, but that at this point was like one of the happiest moments of my life. I was just so happy. Tears are running down my eyes. I just didn't even know why. I was just so happy, man. I was so I was just so happy. And and you know i you know it's and for me to say this all i have to do is put on pads go out and give everything i have to lay it on the line just to get that feeling again you know i shouldn't come up short of expectations so mm. you know so that's that's just the mindset you know i want to win and i want to win and i want to do whatever it takes you know for other guys on my team to feel that feeling because man it's 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 amazing I think it goes without saying that everybody here supports that thought process and we are fully yeah, on board sure. with, with that working out that way. Uh, Melvin, you have any like feel at all yet for Raven Steelers and, and what this means coming up this week for everybody here in Baltimore and sort of what this, I, I'm sure you have a sense for what this rivalry has meant throughout the NFL. Yeah. Yeah. I got an idea of uh, just this division alone. I mean, you know, no one in the building takes, uh, this division lightly, regardless of who we're playing, whether it's Cleveland, Cincinnati, you know, the Steelers, um, it's, it's, it's real deal. Like you have to have your hard hat on <laughs> and, and they make that known. And, um, you know, we, we practice pretty hard, so, you know, we don't have to, to get ready. We're ready. We're ready to go, but you know, it's still a mindset that you have to have. I don't care going up against these teams, <laughs> Pittsburgh. And, and that's how I've always felt. You know, I didn't have to be a Raven to know that when you play these teams, mm. you had to you had to be ready because they just play bully ball. And it's just honestly, it just comes down to who's going to be the biggest bully that day. And, you know, and that's just what it is. <laughs> that's, that's been known since I before I got in the league. No doubt. When I got in the league, it's just this division is just there is bully ball. <laughs> and you know and who's gonna be the toughest kid on the block so you know we understand that and we got to prepare you know I don't care what you know their record is they could be owing whatever I know you know especially when they play inside their division they about to bring it <laughs> so you don't want to be that one that's called lacking you know you have to be ready you have to be prepared when you're going up against a team like this because it's the National Football League one and it's this division to where these guys get down and they get physical man all right, last one for you, uh, Kevin Zeitler, right? Couple of Wisconsin yeah. guys again, and you and do, do I like have it right that you would have been teammates very briefly when you guys were in college, or did you guys miss we each other? I, I, had a year, I had a year with Zeitler. Wow, no, so <laughs> so the career that he's carved out for himself and y'all reuniting this way, this deep into your careers. I don't know if you've had an opportunity. I know that, uh, you know, we were talking to him just two weeks ago, and I know uh, Mrs. Zeitler's been making cupcakes for like everybody. Uh, all uh, training camp long. I don't know if you had an opportunity to try that, but what is how cool <laughs> has that been for you to reunite with him this deep into your careers, yeah. everything you guys have accomplished? Yeah, man, uh, it's dope, man. I was a little pup when Zyler was uh, in college, but I love those guys, man. I love, 
you know how, how mean they were <laughs> on the field. <laughs> Them guys are nasty. I, and I enjoyed that um, every second of it. But I always loved linking up with the Badgers. Uh, you know, I, I paid attention to Zyler's career. Um, you know, we always show love and, and try to take pictures. You know, we played against each other a few times. Um, but to be on this team, man, it's just it's just love, man. It's just love. And it's just it just kind of you look at him and it's flashback. Zyler hasn't changed at all. <laughs> I mean, he got he got some kids and family now, which is which is dope to see. Um, but man, it's, it's, I, I mean, I enjoy it, man. I enjoy awesome. it. I enjoy having him block for me. Um, when I'm at this, this point in my career, when I, you know, you know, when I was a freshman, I, I didn't really get to run behind him, you know? So it's dope, man. That's cool, man. That is really cool. All right. Uh, I know Twitter, it's Melvin Gordon 25 and Instagram. I am Melvin Gordon, the third, correct? No, it's just, it's just at Melvin. Just, okay. Very good. At Melvin, give him a follow there on Instagram. Anything else that we can plug for you, bro? Oh, uh, you know, that's pretty much it right now, man. You know, I, I appreciate you uh, showing the love and, and taking the time, man, honestly. Man, it's awesome to have you here and in the mix and uh, seeing how much it means to you to be a Baltimore Raven. I think that's a really cool story for everybody. Melvin Gordon, uh, thank, thank you for you. taking the time for us, bro. Really appreciate you doing this today. Yeah, man. Thank you. It's Melvin Gordon. I uh, really enjoyed that conversation. And I tried telling you guys that, like, it's funny. We, we a lot of times will bring on draft prospects every year. And when Thomas Hammock was the running backs coach uh, with the Ravens, he had actually, of course, come from Wisconsin. And Melvin Gordon and I have this conversation. We had talked about Thomas Hammock during the course of that kind. Con- it was part of the reason why we brought Melvin Gordon on. I don't even remember what year. Would that have been, God, what would that Fifteen, maybe would have been that draft. Is that right? That sounds right. Something like that. Uh, I mean, it was a while ago. Yes, first round uh, in the twenty fifteen. Okay, fifteenth so, overall pick. So we we record much like we had to record this morning. We record this conversation to air the next day, and I always tell everybody, "All right, I'm going to hit stop," and I hit stop so that you know they understand if we exchange pleasantries, it's not off the record. Right, essentially. So I hit stop, and we're talking with Melvin Gordon. And he was like, bro, I need you to get me to Baltimore. And I was like, what? He's like, you don't understand. This is where I want to be. And I was like, all right, man. I, I don't think I'm going to have the power in that capacity. I can I can send a note to people that I know and just pass that along, but I'm going to guess that they probably already know. The Ravens took in the first round with the 26th pick for Shad Perry. Where did Melvin Gordon? Oh, he went fifteenth. He? he went fifteenth overall. So it would have, you know, it would have been tough to get him. But no, it wasn't going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> but he really, I'm telling you, man, it was wild to hear that. Like, I really wish I could have, I could have kept recording and still had that audio to share now, right? Mm-hmm. Like now that it's worked out and he's here, it'd be a really neat thing to to share. Also, but Nelson Aguilar, twentieth overall pick in 2015. How about that? <laughs> Stockpile. Marcus Peters was the 18th pick that year. Um. They've had four first round, 2015 first round picks on their team over the years. But um, great stuff. And, uh, you know, it was for Melvin Gordon's sake, obviously, I know it had to feel good to be involved, and you could hear that um, and how much he's enjoying his time in Baltimore. And, you know, I'm, look, I'm not going to suddenly be like, ah, Melvin Gordon's the greatest running back of all time. You know, I, I appreciate him taking the time, but it's not going to change the fact that I I still largely would say that I I have tepid expectations for Melvin Gordon the rest of the season. I think it's a fair way of saying it. He's got to make sure he holds on to the football. Obviously, that wasn't a problem for him yesterday. Lamar's got to make sure he holds on to the football. 
trying to do too much yesterday. It wasn't there. I get it. It's frustrating when it just when when it it just doesn't work. But you got to pull that ball back down, man, mm-hmm. and just recognize, hey, bro, this one got blown up. I, I I don't know why you were out of sync, but you were out of sync. And when that happens, got to live to fight another day, man. And uh, that was a shame because otherwise Lamar had a really good day. Obviously, it was a a very good performance save for pretty atrocious just missed handoff yeah, yeah. just bad there's no getting around it it was bad all right when we come back in we'll chat with jeremy we will put him on the hot spot about hot spot. a bad week for uh picks we'll also talk orioles as we get ready for the start of the postseason and uh before we get out of here today we will dish out some pats on the ass that's on the way today's show uh you know what? why don't you remind everybody about uh, how we're trying to help out their fantasy football team Griff? yeah i know am i allowed to apply for this i you, had, yeah uh, you might need some help did you see our match mm-hmm. i think my kicker was by the way the only good news for you actually there was really no yeah, good news really for good. you it was, there was bad no i mean that's probably maybe an all-time worst fantasy performance i had i but scored 60 points yesterday here's what i would say so griffin yes is going to lose by 100 legitimately <laughs> by 100 I am up. Good oh, thing we didn't do any side bet on. None that, of us uh, have anybody else left, so you're not going to lose by exact. You're going to lose by 97. Yeah. You're going to lose 166.3 oh, <laughs> to 69.4. Much closer. My kicker was my highest. I guess Devonte Smith was. Uh, Devonte Smith with 14.8 yeah. was your highest. Yeah. It was uh, not a great day for Griffin in the press box league. So if you're me. And you need and your fantasy football team needs a lot of help. Uh, Press box and live casino and hotel have the answer. One lucky winner will receive a private fantasy football consultation with Press Box's fantasy football expert Joe Serpico, who we're going to t- chat with tomorrow. Uh, with ongoing help throughout this season, including advice on starts and sits, trades and waiver wire pickups, plus a VIP game day experience at Live Casino in Hotel Maryland's Sports and Social, with a reserve table and two hundred dollars in food and beverage credit. To enter, go to PressBoxOnline.com slash contest. PressBoxOnline.com slash contest. Must be 21 or older to enter. Complete rules are available at PressBoxOnline.com slash contest. Now, I ask you, would you rather be in your spot or would you rather be the guy that's slated to score the second most points in the league this week and yet have no chance of winning? Man, who is in my In another league uh, I play in, Ryan Chell already has 100. He can't catch a break anyway. He already has 104. He still has Kenneth Walker, DK Metcalf, and Graham Gano left to play. Wow. He's on pace to score 150. The problem for him is I've got 198. Jeez. And I still have the Seattle defense to play. Oh, Christian McCaffrey. He had a very yeah, nice day. Maybe Kenneth Walker. Yeah, I mean, uh, he's got no shots. I had Christian McCaffrey, uh, Mark Andrews, Puka Nakua, Devon Achan, and Josh Jacobs all How in my starting line. in every league. Uh, well, in one league, in this league, actually, I had him, released him, and then had to use a waiver claim in order to get him back. But I hadn't used a waiver claim yet this season, uh, so I was at the top of the list and was able to snag Devon Achan, who I had, like an idiot, let go earlier in the year. I think they'll hold on to Rashad Bateman. Oh, I felt that one's tough. That one pains me a great deal. But, uh, yeah, I got him in that league, too. So two of my three leagues, I'm holding Devon Achan. That's good news. All right, when we come back in, we will chat with Jeremy Kahn. It's Glenn Clark Radio. 
The Baltimore County Police Department is now hiring with competitive salaries, including for experienced police officers, starting salaries between over $68,000 and over $82,000 based on your prior service time, accepting up to seven years of service times with only six weeks in the academy, minimum of two years prior experience. And police cadet starting salaries at over $32,000 must be between the ages of 18 and 20, but you can apply starting at 17 and a half. Must have a high school diploma or GD equivalent at the time of the hire, U.S. citizen at the time of the hire, and a valid driver's license. So if you have a passion for service and want a career for life, now is the time to join the Baltimore County Police Department. Call 410-887-5542 or visit joinbaltimorecountypd.com. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. All aboard! The Orioles train keeps on moving and it's ahead of schedule. The birds are motoring towards a playoff run here in 2023 as their magic number keeps getting smaller and smaller. I'm Paul Valley, and you can find me along with Zach Goodman every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon right here on the Bataround. We'll navigate you through the playoff push as the Orioles look to put an exclamation point on what is turning out to be the best season of the last 40 years. So join us on the Orioles train and let's enjoy the ride together right here on the Bataround. Visit Harford County this fall. Celebrate Arts Across Harford September 15th through the 30th with dance, theater, music, and visual arts. September 29th through October 1st is the largest Italian festival in Maryland, featuring entertainment, cooking demonstrations, a bocce tournament, and family fun. If you're headed to the Maryland Five Star, stay and play in Harford County. While you're there, enjoy the scenic views atop the king and queen seats and experience pumpkin patches, corn mazes, and fall brews along their Harford Light Trail. For more info, head to visit Harford.com. Maryland open. Picking a restaurant to try for the first time? Let's look at the Costas Inn. Here's a few checklist items. Quality of the food? Check. Quality of service? Check. Does restaurant have plenty of free parking? Check. And finally, does restaurant have delicious steamed crabs, crab cakes, crab soup, and specials galore? Check, check, check. Costas Inn, 4100 North Point Boulevard. They check all the boxes. The latest edition of PressBox is available now. On the cover, Bo Smolka dives into what's next for Lamar Jackson after receiving one of the biggest contracts in football history. Is Lamar ready to take the Ravens to the next level, now with a new offensive coordinator and new wide receivers? Also inside, we look at what new football coaches Brian Newberry and Pete Shinnick bring to Navy and Towson, respectively. And we meet players from the college football and soccer programs around the state. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the O's, Ravens, and Serps at PressBoxOnline.com. Six chicken tenders made from fresh, never-frozen Royal Farms world-famous chicken, a family-sized order of Western fries, honey mustard dipping sauce, and a two-liter bottle of Dr. Pepper. It's Royal Farms' new Tucker's Tenders Meal. It's Justin Tucker's favorite, and at only $19.99, it'll be your favorite meal, too. The new Tucker's Tenders Meal, available only at Royal Farms. Now you can kick back, relax, and eat like a champion. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms. Come for a game, stay for everything else. 
Book an unforgettable fall getaway in Charm City. Enjoy only in Baltimore festivals, mouthwatering eats, and endless entertainment. Treat yourself to a staycation in the heart of downtown or try one of the city's many charming neighborhood hotels. And don't miss out on packages for free parking, breakfast, and more. Plan your stay at Baltimore.org slash hotels. Don't forget about Project Game Day after every Ravens game this season. It's kind of like this show, except Rita's also there, so I actually think it's pretty good. But hey, you're already here now, so why don't you go ahead and keep listening to GCR. The Tyus Bowser Show is back tomorrow night. Be nice to do it after a win this time. I like that. No Orioles game tomorrow night, so no excuses for you. You need to be at Guilford Hall Brewery in Station North tomorrow night starting at 7 o'clock. Tyus and a special guest will be joining us. Tyus Bowser Show is brought to you by HelpMyGamblingProblem.org and Superbook Sports. It's a partnership of Pressbox and Grade Eights Memorabilia. We will see you tomorrow night, Guilford Hall Brewery in Station North for the Tyus Bowser Show. Again, don't be confused. I know we just did one last week. We're altering the schedule a little bit this week. Tyus Bowser Show tomorrow night. Come hang with us at Guilford Hall Brewery. All right, as you heard earlier, this man stepped into the fray and got thrown around a little bit in his first week in our picks contest. He is, of course, our friend. You hear him on the Big Bad Morning Show, 105.7 The Fan. You see him at ConcreteLocks.com and picks every day at PressBoxOnline.com. He is our buddy, Jeremy Kahn, and he's back with us here on GCR. What's going on, dude? How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I, I actually had a pretty decent week, it's just so, not the games you guys It's did. so funny. You <laughs> so. Said, that's exactly what I said. I'm like, I know what's going to happen when we talk to him. I'm going to ask him how his week was, and yeah. he's going to say, I actually had a great week, and if you were betting with me at Concrete Locks, you're going to be really happy. But it just well, so happened so, to be, yeah. I'm trying to think of the games you gave me, the only plays that I had that were mine. The Packers were my favorite play of the week, and then they, they crapped the bet on Thursday night. Yeah. Um, and then on Saturday, I did bet Indiana, but I think Maryland's kind of showing us something, although I don't like the matchup with Ohio State this no. weekend. That being said, um, and in the NFL games, the Colts were one of my plays, which they uh, they just gave you the old tease and then uh, promptly went to bed in overtime. So, yeah, it was it was an interesting week, though. The NFL has become – I mean, you figure this stuff out. Like, uh, people are paying me to do this now, and it's like uh, you're, you're watching the NFL oh, going, yeah. how is this a thing? Like, how, like, I love the Houston Texans all week long. I love the spot. I think in our picks I actually went with the Steelers because their offensive line once – uh, once I was checking their offensive line, there was a rumor that they, they all could be out, and a bunch of them missed, but, hell, man, they still played great. So what, what are you going to do? Yep, that's exactly how I feel. What are you going to do? It was good news for everybody in our crew as uh, you came in 14 games back, but now after one week you're 16 games back. Still a very, still yeah, very long season ahead, a lot of time for you to make that up and try to get out of the basement. Um, I'm kind of scared, though, because I'm feeling dangerous like Baker Mayfield, and I don't know if that's a good thing or bad. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's ever worked out for Baker Mayfield when he's been feeling dangerous. <laughs> so I don't think that's a good place for you to be, dude. Um, all right, a few things I want to cover with you. I want to spend some time talking about the Orioles, right? And I, and I want to present it this way. So we're here now, right? And the joy of Thursday night and of the impossibility of this team that had so little expectations winning the division, it's all wonderful. Now how do we approach this moving forward? Because it's such a difficult thing for me of, I know that you're moving the goalpost to say that they need to go win the American League or they need to go win the World Series. We're moving. The, it's unfair to move the goalpost that way. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you're here. 
and you have been the best team in the American League, and there's no one, the last time you played the Astros, you took two out of three on the road, that you've had success against the Rays all season long. There doesn't seem to be any reason why we shouldn't be capable of expecting them to win the American League. So I'm in this very difficult, like, juxtaposition of it's not fair for that to be the expectation, but also it seems like it's really fair for that to be the expectation. Yeah, you're right. (laughs) I I mean, that's what it is. You know, like, I don't know. Because right now this is where fans are going to turn into just unbearable at times because if they don't win at all, it's, it's an absolute failure, right? Um, and everybody's on board now. And then you got the guys that jumped off that are, Hey, we're back now. Like, Hey, the team's good. And I'm happy to help you guys root for them, but I'm going to criticize them at every turn. Uh, you know, it, it's not the same team that's going into the postseason because they have to change up the entire bullpen in my opinion. Um, and a lot of teams will do this where you're going to put starters out there. Uh, you're going to try things that you haven't tried before. Um, things get really short. Like let's say Kyle Bradish is starting game one for him and he just doesn't have it in two and a third. You're looking at it and you've given up two runs and you got two on. Ultimately you're looking at making a decision. Do we trust him enough, which they don't know the answer yet. I mean, we haven't seen enough of them to know if you can leave him out there and inevitably whatever your decision is, you're going to be vilified or uh, saluted if it's right or wrong. Right? Like, uh, Oh, that's a great, you left Pedro in too long. I can't believe you did it. Wait a minute. Why didn't you leave him in long enough? You know, like all those things inherently are going to happen, but ultimately this has been a successful season, you know, any way that people want to describe it. Um, that being said, like, I mean, you do have to set yourself up for failure. Now you're facing the best of the best. Um, and I do think they're the best team in the American league. I don't know if they're the best team in baseball, uh, but we'll find out because anybody that's on the national league side got absolute juggernaut in Atlanta. I think they led in eight of the major statistical categories and no team's done that ever. And the last team that did anything similar to it was 1920 where they led in five categories of the major category. So um, yeah, look, you know, I, I think it's kind of a catch 22. Like I, I said all along, enjoy the ride. And I think that's what people should do in the postseason. but it's really hard if that ride comes to a halt, you know, people, then people are going to bitch. And, and it's, you know, it's, it's also funny for me because you bring all of those things up to, I, I, I was reminded last week of just how unpleasant all of this ends up being. Like, this has been so much fun, and it's been so joyful all season long. And then all of a sudden on Saturday, we are going to need antacid. We are, like, there is nothing Mm -hmm. fun about playoff baseball. There's no joy involved other than, like, if you win, right? Like, the, the actual experience, and, you know, we had not experienced it in a while, but actually sitting and watching these games is about as hellacious as anything that you can possibly experience as a sports fan. Yeah, there's there's no question about it. Like I, I love every second of it, and as I said, you, you've never seen anything like me until you watch me um, actually watch Orioles baseball in the postseason because it's it's literally the one team I care about. It's the you know I love I'm a Dallas Mavericks fan. I wouldn't tell you I have an, an NFL team that I necessarily root for outside of the Ravens just because it's it's good for the city. But I don't live and die by it. The only team I really live and die by is the Orioles. And I really haven't, you really haven't had a chance to see it all that much just because they haven't been that good in most of my adult life. So, um, but yeah, I lose my mind the same way that other people do. I just don't hold on to it for as long as some people. And, and I understand what expectations are. So um, I just, I really like this team a lot. I don't know if they're constituted to win in the postseason just yet because postseason is all about starting pitching and bullpen. Um, and we'll see if they have enough. I mean, the, maybe the sum is greater than the actual parts when we talk about it, um, but a lot of those teams are built for the regular season. But I, this team is just – they've surprised me, and as a gambler, when I bet against them in situations where it's like, 
oh, this is the right spot. This is the right. They, they mm-hmm. inherently always made me feel wrong, you know? So just, they're just a good team and, and I'm hoping they get it done, but I don't know. It's year one. And I think our window just opened. So I'm not going to like put all my eggs in one basket, but I am excited for Saturday. He is Jeremy Kahn. He is with us here on GCR. Where are you with the, um, I feel like the two biggest debates going into the postseason as far as decisions that need to be made are one, you know, how do you set the rotation for the division series? And then two, do you have a closer? And if so, who is it? Well, it sounds like they're going to go by committee, but I'd rather see Tyler Wells be the guy. Yeah. Um, I know we, we watched it once, but I, I trust him. I know he's got great stuff. It's a, you know, he's been in the bullpen role before. And that's a guy that I would like to have a guy that I go to, not some guy that's waiting out there. It's like, Oh my God, are they going to call on me now? When's like, you know, the teams that have been successful in the postseason have been the teams that said, this is my seventh inning guy, or this is my sixth and seventh inning guy. This is my eighth inning guy or eighth and ninth inning guy, however you want to set it up. But I don't know that I have a couple of guys in that bullpen. Batista is one of those guys that and Cano at the beginning of the year, I'm going, man, they might be able to use these guys for, you know, 10 outs, 12, like whatever, 12 outs in the postseason if need be, and you've got something special. I don't know if they have that right now. So, um, yeah, it's going, to be, it's going to be interesting, and you're going to face teams like the Rays that have done this over and over and over again, um, or you may face them. Uh, the Rangers, whose pitching seems to be depleted, but they made a bunch of trades for it. They have, they have a guy that should have won the MVP if there's nobody named Shohei Otani and Corey Seager. So, I mean, there's a lot to look at here, but I, I, I'm, I'm just excited for Saturday. And I, I think, like, inevitably when you talk about the closer, it's Tyler Wells. The, the starters, for me, it's, it's fairly easy. I'm starting with Bradish. I'm going Grayson. And the pitching means on the road. Um, and then if I need it, then I'm going Kramer. You know, uh, why, Kramer over, why Kramer over Gibson at this point? Like they, I just think he's a better pitcher. Gibson's like, look, Gibson's been here before. He's the vet, and I understand it if they go with him, and I won't argue it. But I just think Kramer's been a better pitcher all year long and been, in my opinion, more consistent than Gibson. When Gibson's bad, he's really bad. Um, and when you have those types of games in the postseason, you tax your bullpen, um, you know, unless you get another starter to come in and fill that void. And the good thing for them is that I'm assuming Flaherty and Gibson will be in the bullpen. Um, but we'll, we'll have to wait and find out. I mean, another big question is, is Fuji on your roster? Because outside of facing the Astros, Fuji's been lights out. Um, and his numbers against the Astros are just horrific. I am. Um, oh, I don't. I don't think there's any chance to me that Fuji's on the roster. I just can't fathom it. I, I, I don't either. But like, again, you know, it's it is an option for them. Um, I am. I'm in a weird place with the Kramer Gibson thing because for the most part, I am. I I was set on it being Kramer until September, right? Like I I just I don't know how you measure hot hand going into the the playoffs, and that's the really difficult thing that I'm struggling with. And it's not like Kramer was awful. In September, but he had two particularly terrible starts in mm-hmm. September. Um, you know, for the month, he pitched to a three five seven ERA, which, like, okay, that's not all that bad. But two starts in there that were just dreadful against Cleveland and St. Louis, whereas, you know, Kyle Gibson in September was actually pitching really well. And I, I, I'm not trying to – I think the things that you said are relevant. I also wonder if Kramer just wouldn't be more helpful for you – I think it's more likely that you need somebody in a short situation in the bullpen than you do another long man. You would think Flaherty would have a long man role. If Cole Irvin's on the roster, he'd have a long man role. So I'm not really sure how Gibson helps in like a one-inning spot versus the idea that I think Kramer could help in that spot. See, but I like Gibson more for the long man role than I do Flaherty because like my thing with Flaherty is 
the times I've watched him pitch and when I think he can be on is when he gets to gear up for three batters. Like, you know, like his issue this year had been a lot of times. Now, it wasn't a lot with the Orioles, although it did happen, when he, especially when he pitched well. You would see it the second and third time through the orders where he would really struggle. Um, but I, I think for some reason, I feel like he can be a just like a good relief pitcher and kind of, you know, turn things around for himself and pitch well in the postseason out of the bullpen. But again, this is why Hyde's got to make the tough decisions because yeah. I don't think any of these decisions are easy um, for a team that's, you know, they, they, they manipulated the, uh, you know, sending guys up and down and using that to the ability and guys that had options, things like that. Um, and now you're you're kind of stuck with what you have. So, by the way, I think I'm with you on Wells, and I, I wrote about that a little today at PressBoxOnline.com. But I can't I can't help but shake that like you know he has given up an awful lot of home runs, and you know yeah. uh, it's it's that's it, the other part of it too. Yeah, I mean it, it's scary when you think about a closer, but like I mean who do you trust the no, most? out No, there? I'm with you. Like that's that as yeah. far as stuff goes. I I think at this point I, I wanted it to default to Cano, and the way that he had pitched in August, you were hoping that he could solidify it and not be Felix Batista, but be someone that you had confidence in. But there's just no way to have confidence in Cano going into the playoffs. And he seems to just pitch better when he's pitching in the eighth inning. And so I'm inclined to agree with you and say, now look, I, I do to your point. I think that if if there are lefties that are slated to be due up in the ninth inning, I think they're going to go to Cologne. Like I do think that they're going to play matchups as they get there, but I, I if if I had the gun to my head and again why but I would probably be with you and say I would give the opportunity to Wells in the postseason. Yeah, I think that's play. great against the Rays team who are doing the lefty righty switches all the time and flipping things around. When you face the Astros, I mean they essentially have two lefties in their lineup and they match lefties, so it doesn't really matter. And I, honestly, I think whoever you face in the World Series, whether it's if it's Braves, Dodgers, and I, I think the Phillies are a live dog because um, they don't care about the Braves. They're not worried about facing them. And for whatever reason, I think, I believe it's Zach Wheeler that's had the Braves number. But that being said, you know, like, um, I, I just think that whoever you see in the World Series, it, they're not, you know, you could play the matchup thing. If it's the Phillies, yeah, they got all those lefties that you'd love to match up with. But we'll see if it works out. I mean, I'm just, I'm more of the traditionalist of liking yeah. it set up a certain way. Do you have a preference, Rays Rangers? Mm, no, I like I mean, I think I'd rather face the Rangers because um, the Rays are bringing great pitching. I know that. Um, but, no, like, I don't think I have a preference. I mean, I think I'm in that zone where it's like, look, we're the one seed. Let them come to us. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not worried about who it's going to be. It does, seem, it does seem a little unfair, right? Like, everybody mm-hmm. wants to play the Twins if they should win because they were the weakest team in the playoffs. They have good pitching, not great hitting. They strike out more than anyone else. And the Blue Jays will get them first. Um, so, like, yeah, I, I guess it's right, but I, I, I still think Texas and um, I would say Texas and Tampa are better than the other two teams. I agree. Uh, you know, I know Toronto's pitching solid, but you're going to get one, so who, what does it matter? Either you get a great hitting lineup or a great pitching lineup, and we already hate the Rays, so. That's sort of where I matter. am. Like, I think it would be maybe a little bit more, there'd be a little bit more juice here for a Rays series, but, like, my God, it's the playoffs. There's going to be juice no matter who it is, right? Like, I, I don't yeah, know. How do you feel about, like, I literally don't like any of the teams. Uh, like, I hate the Red Sox. I hate the Yankees. I have a strong dislike for Toronto. I don't like them either. But when we play them, I hate them. With the Rays, it's always been indifferent. Like, I want to beat them. But it's like, oh, they're cute. They're doing their thing. Right, look at them. Right. They, they don't have much money. Yeah. But they look nice. And, and then they beat you, and you're like, those sons of bitches. I hate them. So, um, <laughs> yeah. So I can see the hate 
getting spiked I up think, a little bit. And on I, their I think there would be a little bit of that. I think there would be a little bit of that generated between these two, like, you know, I, I, whatever fan base there is in Tampa. I think there would be a little bit of that that would pop up during the course of a series like that. Like, how does it make sense that the teams with the two best records in the American Dude, League end up playing each other in the second round? I think such a weird – it's such a weird thing for me because I used to talk about this all the time with, like, football where it, it drives me effing nuts – that you guarantee a home playoff game to a division winner in the NFL and say, hey, man, you can go 7-10, and 10, but if you just happen to win the right seven, you get to host the team that won 14 games this season. And I know we've never seen anything quite that dramatic, but we've been yeah. close, right, like with teams that went 500. The Buccaneers got to host a playoff game a year ago that they had no right to. I've never been okay with it. But well, the, and the worst, the two worst ones were uh, the seven and nine Seahawks. The Seahawks yeah, when they the, played the, the, the Saints, beast, the, the beast quake. Yes. Yeah, the twelve and four team going on the road because they lost their division, right? And then you had the Colts did it too when they lost out to the Titans and had to go to the Chargers, who were eight and eight in the postseason. And then you had the Patriots miss the playoffs on a goofy tiebreaker, but a division winner get in at eight and eight. That was the Chargers' year uh, when they went. Uh, that was the Matt Castle year with the the Patriots, I believe, oh, okay. and they won ten or eleven games and didn't get in. Right after guys. Brady got hurt. So, and my problem, like I have no issue with saying each division winner gets promised a playoff spot, right? Like, yeah. fine, fine. That in order to make sure that we we can pretend like the concept of divisions matter, which is what the teams want, because they want you to care more about those games and sell more tickets to those games and feel like there's an additional energy. I, I sort of am in on the bit of we've got to pretend like the division constructs matter, but we don't need to make it a home playoff game. That's laughable. That being yeah. said, whenever we get into this situation, because I'm with you, and Griffin and I talked about earlier, I agree. This is n- nonsense. At the same time, if you're the Orioles, you're going to have to beat the good teams in order to to get to the World Series, right? So. Like when it doesn't involve my team, I'm much angrier about it. When it's the team I care about, I it almost feels like when we talk about it, we're making excuses. And I don't, I don't even like. Yeah. I don't know if it's just we're a, making excuses before it's even happened. And and so I don't like talking about it when it's my team. But if this yeah. were another scenario, if it weren't the Orioles and if it were like the Mariners that were in this spot, and you and I were talking on a Monday, I would be screaming about it. This is insane. This is stupid. But whenever it involves my team, I always wanted to fall back to. Uh uh-uh, uh, not talking about it because I ain't making excuses. They got to beat good teams. I think they can beat good teams, so I'm not getting worked up about it. It's a really and weird superstition. The, the weird, the weird thing about the Orioles too is, and we were talking about like Grayson's first opportunities to go up against uh, opposing pitchers, and it always felt like he got matched up against Glasnow, Cole, Scherzer. You know, like he was pitching against everybody's top pitcher, and it's like, well, damn, how did this happen to this poor kid? But like. The Orioles, uh, you know, from some of the things I've talked to Rob, like when they face the Dodgers, they're like, we don't want to miss Kershaw. We want to face right. Um, you know, like they, they have that mindset, whether that's a good or bad thing, they don't fear anyone. And I think, and maybe they're too young, too stupid to understand that or whatever, but, well, but it's um, also or maybe up. it's just the, it's, the competitive nature. It's justified. That's how they've played these teams this year. They went into Houston a couple weeks ago and took two out of three from the Astros and Wiped out any taste in the mouth of losing the series at home before that. They have beaten the Rays significantly this year. They have backed up that there is no reason why they should be afraid of any of these teams. And even, like, the Braves series was, was you know, 50-50, right? Like, they, had, they didn't win the series, 
But they were absolutely in that series for the entirety of it, and it had every. I don't think they should fear anybody in these playoffs whatsoever. I agree with you. I don't think they're the best team in baseball. I think the Dodgers and the Braves, are the best, or the Braves and the Dodgers in that order, are the best teams in baseball. And I think it'd be very difficult for them to win the World Series. But for example, if it were to be the Dod, anybody but the Braves, if the Orioles get there, they've got home field advantage for the World Series. Like, yeah, it's crazy. What a world we're living in, bro. What a world. All right. Yeah. Um, I mean, imagine seeing World Series games at Camden Yards. I can't even, man. dude. It's, I can't even think. I got, I bought uh, tickets for games one and two of the ALCS, and then I had. There's that big, um, like, pop punk festival out in Vegas that everybody loves. The when we when you were young festival, and my mm-hmm. friend invited me out there for that, and I was like, oh hell yeah, I'd love to go. And then I realized like I could be missing a perhaps game six or seven in Baltimore of the ALCS with a chance for them to, you know, clinch here at home. And I'm like, I I can't do it. Like, I can't do it, man. I, I have not experienced these things in my life. Like, this is uncharted water for me. And I, I know I'm going to set myself up for disappointment. We were joking about that, my buddy and I. Like, dude, you know you're going to be really sick if the Orioles lose and you could have been in Vegas. And I'm like, yep, oh, I, yeah. know I, I know I will. I know I'll be as sick as I've ever been in my life over it. But I just I can't do it to myself. I've got to leave that open. And my God, Mrs. Clark and I might end up getting divorced because if there is a World Series, I am there will be no college fund anymore. I will, <laughs> I will come hell or and high water, find a way. I could definitely see Glenn if they get knocked out of the postseason uh, singing the, the hidden song on Blink's first album, or Green Day's first album, right? Was it, uh, I was yeah. all by myself. Yeah, uh-huh. I was lonely. Nice pool. Nice pool. <laughs> yeah. By the way, what was your favorite uh, Jimmy Butler um, uh, emo band uh, <laughs> reference? I, I did like, I think it was Mike Golick Jr. went with a Backboard Confessional, which I enjoyed a great deal. I that threw out, good. I threw out newfound scoring was mine that I went with. Um, I I saw some a ball out boy was one that I enjoyed a good bit. I thought the that I like ball out boy. Ball out That's boy good. was really good. The internet was having a time with that. How much fun it like the internet is just. I know everybody says they're undefeated, but no matter what, I am tired of the Kevin James memes, but they are funny as hell. The concept. Um, I did it, like that. Um, did you see that Maryland dude. football was doing it on Saturday? I dug that. Yeah. I, I really yeah. did. I like that with Maryland football on Saturday, where during field goals they were putting up the Kevin James shrug picture on the big screen. Yeah. I thought that was a good. Bit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was a good. Bit. It, it's been pretty good, but the internet's had some great stuff, and thank God for Jimmy Butler um, bringing this on. Like, I just wanted somebody to talk to about the Drew Holiday trade. And then I'm just not surrounded by anybody that cared about the NBA at that well, moment. So I got to be honest with you. I, look, I think that Drew Holiday is underappreciated, and I do think it's significant. But I thought it was weird that some of the betting markets shifted back from Milwaukee to Boston after that deal. Like, I. It's just knee jerk reactions. I mean, yeah. So what, what Damian Lillard said before that Drew Holiday is the toughest guard to go up against in the league, which I, I think he's the most underrated player. Um, he's not a great offensive player, but he gives you that. But he. He definitely works on the other end of the floor. No other, like you can put him on the best player on the other team, even if they're bigger than him. And he just fr- he gets in their kitchen and frustrates them. So he's one of my favorite players. Um, but yeah, that was a bit of a knee jerk reaction. But you know, now Boston with their, I mean, they got Chris Stapps, Porzingis, and um, and and Drew Holiday to go along with the big two. So uh, we'll see if it all can work out. But that's another thing that people don't think about is when you put all the egos together, does it mesh? So, I just feel like um, we'll dude, I just feel like Giannis and Lillard is such a perfect combination. Like it just feels on paper like about as perfect of a duo as you could put together. And I get it like 
it's going to be awkward for Lillard to not have the offense always go through him. But Giannis, to me, it's it's almost like Jokic. Like I think Giannis is the perfect player to view like Lillard is a great complimentary piece and to make it work, the two of them, the way that Jokic and Murray work so well together. Like I just I mean it's probably gonna be a lot like Shaq, um yeah. with, with Kobe. Like most of the game you're going to him, you're going to him, you're feeding him, but when we get in the last two to three minutes, same time. Yep. Because I, he's a better free throw shooter, he's a better you know, he's a I don't want to say he's a better finisher, but like in those games, you, you you're fine with him going to the line because what is he like an high eighty percent free throw shooter? He's just it's a great player. Yep, no question, man. I think that I I am very scared of that duo in Milwaukee if uh, if uh, Giannis is healthy. All right, before I let you go, um, you are so willing to admit so many things. Uh, most people mm-hmm. probably say too many things, of course, right? Yeah, like, my wife would say that. Is there anything? So I'm I'm going to say this. I'm going to have to ask off uh, from the radio show because uh, I don't know if you saw this morning. But the Mariah Carey Christmas tour was announced, uh, and the date in Baltimore I'm not able to attend because I've got another uh, event that night, so I'm going to go instead Mm -hmm. to the Philadelphia show on a Wednesday night. And it's going to be embarrassing for me to have to say to people, I'm not going to be at the show because I'm going to the Mariah Carey Christmas tour. But you know me. I have worn my – I'm a Christmas person. It's a thing. However you want to judge me, I've accepted it. But it's still going to be like I would almost rather have a better lie to tell, right? Like I would just what what is it? it what have you had to tell that you've said to yourself? I I'm gonna share it because it's what I do. It's what people know me as. But I'm not proud of the fact that I'm going to tell people that this is what I'm doing. And truth be told, I'd rather lie about it. It's, yeah, it's weird because like I don't know that I have a a thing that worries me to tell people. Like I've literally said. I mean, you know it. I mean, I have cousins that got married there and have, that, have yes. a kid together. Yes. Um, my wife caught me masturbating. I've told that story on yeah. the air plenty of times. I don't know if you know that one. I've crapped my pants multiple times, which is uh, uh, unbelievably embarrassing. Um, and you went to, to see think, Ed Sheeran in concert. Like, I mean, my God. On the day after, and, and after I saw that, I love Ed Sheeran. I after you. I saw Ed Sheeran, the next morning, we went to a drag brunch. So, which I, I got to be honest with of you, life. of that group of things, Ed Sheeran to me is the worst. It's the yeah. worst of the group. Well, well, if somebody says something to me, I'm always going to go, sounds gay, I'm in. Like, it's just, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm in for anything, man. Like, I, you know, it's like, I think you should experience as many things as you can. I hate Christmas um, with a passion. Yeah. And I know you love it. So, it's like, my... I, it's, I'm probably... I'm probably the alter ego of you and another like multiverse that just hates Christmas. But obviously, but, uh, you're going with me to the Mariah Carey show, of course. Like, oh, uh, you're not going to not go see Mariah Carey <laughs> sing Christmas songs. Right. When does uh, is George Michael playing too? Well, that's that's not uh, <laughs> um, last Christmas. Yeah, that, with us that, that would be my favorite about, Christmas song. I don't think yeah. he's available for comment, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, yeah. What about the other guy from Wham? Can I, he sing? I think he I is still with doing. us. I don't. I'm not. I'm not sure. Uh, what's Andrew? Right? Was that his name? What is? Sure. Oh God! Sure. Andrew, come name? out and sing songs for me. Andrew Ridgely was the other guy yes. from Wham, and he is still with us. He is only sixty years old, so we can maybe track down Andrew Ridgely. God, actually, hey, but- how great would that be if we could? I I think I have pitched this idea to you before, that for a charity. Okay, my one of my, as you know, I love Christmas, and one of my favorite things ever is uh, the band, the um, uh, John Candy's band from Home Alone playing polka Christmas songs as they travel around in the back of a uh, truck. I would like at some point to recreate that. And we just go around a group of us. We get drunk. 
We have a fun band playing tunes, maybe like a mix of Christmas. And it's almost like we're, um, you know, it's almost like caroling, but we might show up at your house and sing Guns N' Roses instead, right? And like you sign up for us to come to your house and you make a donation to be a part of it. I would like to get Andrew Ridgely from Wham to be a part of that somehow. I feel like we oh. could turn this in. Jared, I'm not even kidding. I had this idea before, and I've never really, like, really fully flushed it out for you. I think we could make this the most fun fundraiser event that we've ever come up with, right? Like, we just get sloshed and get thrown in the back of a truck and drive around and sing songs at people's houses to raise money for charities. And I, I feel like James Corden's going to come up with this idea, get his show back. And oh, damn it, it, and it steal it from like, us before yeah. we are able to execute it. Tell me that yeah. if I started putting it into motion, and I've thought about it before and I've never put it into motion, but if I put it into motion somehow, if I could convince like the Kelly Bell Band to do this mm-hmm. with us, that you would be on board for something like that. Oh, absolutely. I hate Christmas music. I'd be on board for that. But I'm saying like, we do a like, little bit of Christmas music, and then like we might show up at your house and maybe we'll sing Jingle Bells, but we also might instead sing Thunderstruck, you know, like something like that. Or, or maybe we could sing some Marvin Gaye. Let's get it on. A hundred percent. Let's get it on. Take I, down the stockings and put them back up for the kids. But take, <laughs> take off the stockings. Yeah. It's, it's kind of right, We're goes. working on this. We're working. This is not, I'm not letting this one escape this time. We're working on this and trying to flush it out to make it happen. All right. Uh, ConcreteLocks.com with two N's. ConcreteLocks.com. Of course, picks every day at PressBoxOnline.com. Big Bad Morning Show, 105.7 The Fan. Anything else? No, that's it, man. I like the Giants tonight, so we'll see what happens. But, um, yeah, only one game tonight. So if you got today's my anniversary, and I'm oh, happy uh, anniversary, pal. Thanks. I should go tell my wife that. You should. Um, okay. Well, <laughs> you want me to tell it to her? I'm happy to do that if you sure. <laughs> well, Rob was so kind as uh, I said I was going to be busy all day that he was going to take my wife out for a nice dinner. Now that so, would be um, sweet. It was very nice. Oh of man, him. I this is not even a joke. When I was in uh, when I moved to Arizona, I made the mistake of letting a young lady move with me. Oh, I don't know that you and I have ever had this conversation. I was Mm-mm. I was 23 and I was like scared and I had been dating a girl for I don't know, maybe 2 months at that time. And she was like, "Well, why don't I go with you? I have my parents moved. I got nothing keeping me here." And I was like, "Ah, I get a roommate. I don't have to go find a stranger to live with. She's bringing all of her stuff with her, so I don't have to furnish an apartment. You know, it's a good way right? to think. Why don't we move in together? Right? Regular sex. Like I don't know. These things all seem kind of decent, right? Like, uh, sure. Why not? Go for it. And I didn't like her. <laughs> and within like two months of that, I realized this was not a thing. We we're we are not. This isn't going well. But she had literally you, moved across the country. How do you do that? How do you? Oh, that's dude. Rough. Dude, it was real rough. So I had, don't ask why, but the station in, don't ask why, try Bud Dry. Um, the station in Phoenix had given me an assistant. Straight shoot. I was 23 years old. I show up and they're like, here's your assistant. I said, uh, wow. Okay. <laughs> like, sure. This makes sense. <laughs> and I would send him out with my wife. Not my wife. No, the, the girl that I was dating at the time. I would send him out with a girl I was dating at the time so that I wouldn't have to go on dates with her. I would be oh like, really? I would be like, hey, I'm busy on Saturday, but you know, uh, CJ will take you to the, to the Galleria Mall, and you guys can have a fun day together. And I would go Are out. those guys still married? Yeah, I don't, think they, I don't think it worked out between the two of them. And I would yeah, just go know, day I, drinking I mean, with the boys. How long did you go through it before you finally said to Oh, Jeremy, the better part of a year. Like, and then uh, even after that, we stayed living together and like still sleeping together because it was just like it was so uncomfortable 
that I couldn't just make it a clean break. Like we would, she would openly like tell people, we'd be out and she'd be like, yeah, that's my ex-boyfriend. <laughs> I'd be like, yeah. Wow. Yeah. That, like we were still a sharing a bed. Like, I know when my, my ex-wife and I were going through our divorce, we, we had still like, I tried to move out of the house immediately, but when we were going through the whole process of it, we probably lived together for two months. And those were like the most awkward two months of my life of like, trying to get in and get out and not cross paths with somebody. Yeah. The inevitable, Hey, do you, I made dinner. Do you want some? Right. Like, uh, I don't yeah, know. Like it, it's just all that stuff was weird, but I mean, sometimes you got to go through it, you know, and, and learn from those mistakes. So, yeah. Real uh, weird. Yeah. Real Put weird. Good on you, man. I uh, hear. <laughs> dude, it was miserable, but thankfully my friend CJ was very willing to, and she, she would like take him to the movies and like buy him. She treated him like he, he was like, uh, uh, her little puppy dog. <laughs> She'd be like, I'll buy you some junior mints at the movie. Theater. Hey, Glenn's assistant, do you want juju beads? Right. Oh, sure, I do. God, I would text, be like, "How's the day going?" Guys, <laughs> I was six beers in. Oh, it was rough. <laughs> All right, buddy, I uh, love you. We'll talk again next Monday. Thank you, pal. Sounds good, man. I'll see you. Jeremy Khan with us as he is every Monday here on GCR. Oh man, that was our uh, flip side. Ryan Chell and I used to come with my current, my wife and I, to the movies. So, Mrs. Clark is a big fan of getting snacks at the movie theater. I am notorious for I will not be price gouged, so I refuse to buy snacks at the movie theater. Refuse to like if you if they were the correct price, I would happily purchase things here. But because you're gouging me, I will not do it. Only I, thing I buy is popcorn. That's I won't do it. I, know, I won't yeah. do that. There are people that will go to the movie theater, buy the popcorn, and leave. That was like a whole viral trend last week of this woman being like, I don't understand why this is weird. I just like movie theater popcorn. I, I do love some movie theater I just popcorn. don't know. I, I can't imagine that. But I'm just yeah. not going to be I'm not gonna be price gouged. I refuse to be price gouged. Like, I, frankly, I hate saying it. I don't like buying food at stadiums. I don't do yeah. it for the most part. Like, I will stop on the way in and get food because I don't – I will not be price gouged. I will not be held hostage to pay a certain price for for food. It was going through my mind when I was, you know, waiting in line after the uh, Orioles clinching the division on Thursday, yeah. and I'm waiting in line to get my, you know, division champ shirt mm-hmm. and hat, and I was like, I mean, this is worth it, right? Like this? No, no, not it's at not. all. No, not at all. But whatever. Memories. You're you're gonna spend money on much dumber things, bro. Yeah. <laughs> like yes. I'm not. I'm not even really. <laughs> um. But so we would go to the movies, and sometimes there'd be other people, but a lot of times it would just be the three of us when uh, Ryan was my producer and uh, Mrs. Clark and I were still dating. We would go on, like, Friday. Because once we got married, she didn't want to go anywhere ever. <laughs> like, the moment we got married, I was like, hey, do you want to go to the movies? She was like, never again. It's like, wow, that's that's strange. We used to go every week. Hmm. Never again was the response. She can't be seen with you or it's like, yeah. It's no, like, it was all a charade to get me to marry her. Oh, and I then see. the moment I that see. we got married, she was like, now I get to be who I really want to be, <laughs> which is that we never go do anything ever. She's never come to a Tyus Bowser show. Man. I said to that, I'm like, what, what is that? She's just like, mm, Tuesday night, I don't want to be out. <laughs> Weird bit. But we would go out, and she would ask me to buy her whatever, like whatever candy or something like that. And I'd be like, nope, not doing it. I didn't care. I will not be price gouged. And poor sappy Ryan Chell would walk out, and I swear to God, would come back with twenty-one dollars worth of and be like, "Here Skittles. you go, Margaret." And I'd be like, "Dude, what are you doing?" I don't know what it is that this power she has over people in my life. We go to uh, the Gatsby's house, right? And the moment, by the way, we bumped, we did a we did the fall festival thing yesterday, and we bumped in the Gatsby's. It was the most pleasant thing ever. I tried a uh, apple cider slushy 
at the Fall Festival that yesterday. It was very nice. pretty good. Very, yeah. Very nice. <laughs> Apple cider slushy. Um, Where was this at? At uh, Weber's. Oh, we went okay. to Weber's. I love it. I mean, I'm not getting, no pre pugs. We always go to Weber's, although I think the kids have outgrown it. I think we this what? might be the last time for Weber's for us. We still like Gaver Farm out in Mount Airy. That's one of our favorites. We mm-hmm. love that place. That place is amazing. We'll probably go there. But uh, whenever we go to the Gatsby's, we'll get there. And as soon as she gets there, she'll be like, it's time to start grilling. And he'll just do it. I'll look at him like, don't do that. No. No. She asked nicely. Tell her that when you're ready, you'll grill food. Or that, like, you know, it's It's like, no, you know, I'm good. I'll do it now. I'm like, God, I hate you. I hate you. Uh, we got to dish out some pats on the ass. Pats on the ass brought to you by the print issue of Press Box, which is available for free right now at your neighborhood Royal Farms and the hundreds of locations around town where you find Press Box. Read it all at PressBoxOnline.com. Great cover story from Bo Smolka, all about Lamar Jackson. And we are just a couple of weeks away from the new print issue of Press Box hitting newsstands, which will have a baseball theme, and that is all that I will tell you. Uh, but uh, that is coming here in the next couple of weeks. All right, uh, you know the deal. Pats on the ass. Five Ravens, most deserving of praise for their performance. Rank them from five to one. Two must be offensive players. Two must be defensive players. The fifth can be another offensive player, another defensive player, a special teams player, or a coach. Um, I'm going a little off the beaten path this week. Little, I think people might be a bit surprised by my number one on the list yeah. this week. Uh, my number five is Patrick Queen. It just continues to kick ass. Um, as good as Roquan Smith has been this season, I think you might argue that Patrick Queen has been the Ravens' the best defensive player this season. I thought he had murdered Dorian Thompson-Robinson on the sack. I thought that was going to be an involuntary manslaughter situation. It's one of the most vicious things I've ever seen. Uh, I thought they had gotten rid of that from football, that you weren't allowed to hit people that way. But just just all over the place, man. And it continues to be, obviously, a more complicated conversation about his future with the Ravens and all of those things. But, my God, Patrick Queen has just continued to be a monster all season long. He's my number five. Yeah, I went up a little more, I guess, pretty conventional with my five here I probably should be p- put the guy who I believe is your man of the match as my as my five mm. here um but like I feel like that's kind of cheating since I I came up with my five and then I heard what you what you what your your what, what direction you were going so I'm going with uh Artie Millette oh did you did you watch the yes, post game yesterday post okay game. yes yes yeah. um uh, so I'm going with Artie Millette as my number five. Okay. Uh, you know, depleted secondary, and I think he, he he needed to step up while we were down cornerbacks, and I thought he did a, a very valiant job in doing so. He tipped that interception uh, to Brandon Stevens that really you know really helped establish sure. the turn sure. of of the game. Uh, and uh, as Ian Eagle said, DTRINT. Yeah, I enjoyed. I thought he had a good day yesterday. Brandon Stevens is my number four. Big play, obviously. Finally got the Ravens some sort of positive motion. And he would have been higher on the list, and I, and you can try to give him a pass on the pass interference because he it was a terribly thrown ball, and you could say he was in good coverage, but he would, had no idea where the ball was, and so that's the only – I can't let him completely off the hook for that. I, I'm not – there would be a world in which I would have to – like if that was an egregious thing, then I would have probably left him off the list completely because like a 37-yard pass, pass, yeah. pass interference on a play that was hopeless – and was one of the worst design plays I've ever seen. Um, I, I I have to measure it, and so that's why he was a little bit lower than maybe you know given the impact of the interception you would think. But he's still number four on my list. I went with Javion Clowney as okay. my number four. Uh, obviously, he never uh, got home on a sack, but he constantly had DTR under under pressure. And I don't really think it's a coincidence that you know Matt Abike and Broderick Washington t- did eventually get home late in the game because Clowney was working that offensive line 
pretty much it felt like the whole game. So Clowney is my number four. Three is Mark Andrews. A um, couple of touchdown catches, including obviously the one that you know we'll talk about for a while because it's the example of exactly like this is should be the advantage of having Mark Andrews. Mm-hmm. The advantage of having Mark Andrews should be that you have confidence in making that throw even as defenders are starting to get around him and knowing that if you put it to a spot, that's going to be Mark Andrews' ball and no one else's. And that should be the Ravens this year in the red zone. Ah, somebody shared this morning. might have been Ken McCusick who shared out um, uh, Ravens' red zone information. I want to see if I can pull that up. Ah, the Ravens have had 15 red zone possessions this season in chronological order. Interception, touchdown, 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 field goal, touchdown, field goal, touchdown, 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 touchdown. That's 91 points scored, 6.1 per red zone possession, and 80% touchdowns. As he said, uh, 2022 league-wide touchdown percentage was 56.8%. And the Ravens were forty four point four percent. Now, do I think they're going to stay at eighty percent all season long? Yes. No, I don't. <laughs> but that yesterday is an example of what the you have Mark Andrews. Do that. That's a good play. That's not a oh you got lucky there. No, that's an effective offensive play in that situation because one guy is getting that ball. Mark Andrews. He was my number three. Uh, I went with my third defensive player here at number three, uh, Roquan Smith. Um, I thought he was all over the place. He had pressures. He had pass breaks up, uh, being a factor in the pass rush and pass coverage. Played like he was worth $20 million. Uh, very, very happy with Roquan Smith uh, leading that defense yesterday. Um, Rick, Roquan Smith's been good all year. I just don't know that he's been better than, like, again, it's and this is we're picking it. We're splitting hairs here yeah. between them. They've both been so ungodly good, and I'm so high on Roquan Smith that it's, you know, if 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 Patrick Queen's been a minute a little bit better than next week, I'll say that Roquan Smith's better. I mean, they're both outstanding. They've both been just having insane insane seasons. Uh, number two is Lamar for me, um, who I understand probably in a normal world would be number one on a lot of lists. Um, you know, he did have the fumble, and I did have to measure that. And it wasn't an overwhelming performance as much as it was a very effective performance from Lamar Jackson yesterday. Fifteen of nineteen. Can't do a whole lot better than that as far as efficiency is concerned. Um, the two touchdowns, of course, was not, you know, terribly dynamic on the ground, but, of course, ran for two more touchdowns yeah. on top of it. Like, it was... Big reason we're 80% in the red zone right now. 100% like. is is what he's able to do in both capacities. I'm If, if not for the fumble, he probably would have been my number one. But it was only because of the fumble that it allowed room for me to consider yeah. a wild card at number one. Um, and someone who I just think is not getting noticed at all, but I think was brilliant yesterday. But um, Lamar is my number two. My number two, Mark Andrews. I get uh, it. it looked like Mark Andrews again, uh, unstoppable um, pretty much all over the field, but almost always unstoppable. And once again, unstoppable yesterday in the red zone. So Mark Andrews, my number two. And your number one My is? number one is Lamar Jackson, mm-hmm. of course, responsible for all four scores. The fumble was, I mean, he's got to clean that up. But yep. They, this, these, this cannot continue to happen. Um, but, you know, it ended up not being a big deal in a 28-3 game. So uh, where he scored all four touchdowns, Lamar was my man at the match yesterday. It, it, uh, it left just enough room, that fumble, for me to reconsider mm-hmm. somebody else. And as far as who did their job the absolute best yesterday, 
is not somebody that we've talked a lot about since they've arrived in Baltimore. And you might say that's a good thing, right? Like you don't typically, you only talk about this position if something goes wrong. But I do think that we've kind of missed that, you know, Jordan Stout was taking over for a legend and someone who had set a standard extraordinarily high. And if I'm being honest, I thought that for a lot of the first season, Jordan Jordan Stout was not really capable of meeting that standard. Like, he was fine. He wasn't hurting the team. But I didn't know that he was proving himself to be a weapon. Yesterday, Jordan Stout was a weapon. Yesterday, Jordan Stout was awesome. Seven punts, 334 yards, a 47.7 per punt average. Three inside the 20-yard line. And most importantly, and the reason why I don't think this is, because a lot of you are probably hearing that and rolling your eyes like, dude, he's a punter. Like, what are you doing? But most importantly, the only time the game was in doubt in the first quarter, Jordan Stout prevented the Browns from ever feeling comfortable, from ever getting themselves into a situation where, hey, all we really need is a first down or two here, and we're going to be in the edge of field goal territory and feel like we've got something cooking. When the Ravens couldn't do diddly offensively, Jordan Stout was consistently pinning the Browns back anyway and not allowing them to flip the field in any way and continuing to play to, we'll give it time for the offense to come together. 45-yard punt out of bounds, unreturnable on his first punt of the day. Second punt of the day was actually, ironically, maybe his worst, right? It was 44 yards. From there, it just continued to get better. 59-yard punt, booming to flip the field. Jordan Stout was great. I I get it. It's a little kitschy. It's a little bit like, hey, nobody was so good yesterday that I I feel like I'm I'm hurting by not putting them at number one. I know what I'm doing here. Yeah, I I mean I don't but, really because there's not a big argument I guess against it. Maybe he's a maybe against him being number one. Just be being putting a punter. That's all that yeah. you would argue is yeah. that you can't put. But as far as what he did yesterday, I thought he was dynamic. I thought he was really worthy of significant recognition. Surpasses the points off of uh, uh hats that from last year. I gave him four points total last year. You gave him two. Jordan. So he's already got more points this yes. year than he had yes. last year. I think I, I think I recognized him in it, look, game one I, last year. It'd be wrong to say it's tongue in cheek, but it's it's a little you know I. It's a nature of a game situation. In a lot of games, Jordan Stout couldn't have been that guy. But Jordan Stout was my number one because of it. Uh, continue to get me yours throughout the day at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter, and we'll get ours up here shortly at glennclarkradio.com. Let's get a tidbit. Tidbit is brought to you today by the Baltimore County Police Department. They're hosting a hiring event Saturday, October 29th at the Public Safety Building, 700 East Joppa Road in Towson. Great opportunity for you to get out. Go through the hiring process, written test, agility test, application, the whole deal. Meet members of the specialized units. Figure out what other career opportunities could exist in the Baltimore County Police Department. Plus, it's a great community day, trunk or treat event, opportunity for the kids to get their candy in a safe environment. Find out more. Join BaltimoreCountyPD.com or call 410-887-4584. Joey Burrow, he is the first quarterback in NFL history to attempt at least. Smoking that Joe Burrow. Yeah. Patrick Mahomes Sr. It's some of my favorite oh, audio oh. ever oh. after the after the playoff game. Mm. 
They're like, uh, he's talking about a cigar. He's like, I'm smoking that Joe Burrow. And you got to hear it. He said, my baby boy. Right, my, you right. got to find The audio is wonderful. You can he listen is. to Patrick Mahomes Sr. say, my baby boy, all day. He's clearly been drinking throughout the course of the game. It's just, it's chef's kiss audio. You got it? I think so. I think so. Oh, I muted Twitter. Oh, way to go. Way to yeah. go. Way to go, Griffin. Way to go. Yeah, sorry, sorry. But Joe Burrow, um, 150 passes in his team's first four games of a season, but he is the first quarterback ever to average fewer than five yards per an attempt Yeesh. on 150 passes Not in ideal. his first four games. All right, let's see what uh, Pat Mahomes Sr. You got a cigar of your own, I see. Yeah, I'm smoking the Joe Burrow. You smoking on the Joe Burrow. I'm smoking on the Joe Burrow. How's it feel to be headed back to Super Bowl? All right. <laughs> What's with the audio? It sounds um, it's distorted. I don't know it. Maybe because it's definitely like quiet. Have, we definitely have cleaner audio than that. That we because I had I had Caleb play that a few times on the radio station. It's just my favorite. All right, I'll God, check it. I'll check it later. Uh, the Patriots. Uh, this is their worst ever. Thirty-five points. Worst ever loss in the Bill Belichick uh, in his head coaching career. Thirty-five points to the Cowboys, as the Patriots lose to Dallas yesterday. This one comes from Elias uh, Drake London becomes the sixth player in NFL history to score a touchdown in a city that shares his last name. <laughs> Wait a second. How many have done it? Uh, five have done it before Drake London oh, scored in sake, London. Are you really trying to get me to, to figure I out? I don't think you'll be able to. I mean, I'm, I, I'm gonna guess I could name. I could guess I could name. The city. I'm, yeah. I'm assuming that there was a Houston that did yes, it. Yes, there point. were which two Houston, Houstons. Which Houstons did it? Lamar Houston okay. uh, did it in Houston, obviously, in 2017. And yeah. then Ken Houston. Did it oh right, yeah, that in, makes all the uh, sense in the world. This 19, between 1960, he had a couple. Did um, I never remember which Cleveland is which like, between Tyree and Ezra, but was it was it Ty- no Cleveland? No Cleveland? So, Cleveland. Was it Tyree Cleveland that was the wide receiver? Because I think Ezra Cleveland was a lineman, right? Yeah, one. In, I think yeah. Tyree Cleveland was ben a wide Cleveland receiver. Probably won't ever score a touchdown either. So. Um, I think it's pretty safe to assume that one of the Washingtons scored yes, in Washington. Three Washingtons have scored. Uh, did so Kelly Washington? Washington. Uh, not Kelly. Or no, not Kelly. All right, which ones? Uh, Kenny Washington in okay. 1948. Mark Washington at RFK in 1970, and then Joe Washington. Oh yeah, several that makes between sense. Uh, the early 80s during the early 80s. So. All right, so I got two. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um. Hang on. No, that's it. I just gave you all of them. Oh, that's it. Yeah, I thought you said there were. Si- oh, because they were. They London. did it in multiple cities. Yeah, yeah. Multiple players did it. Yes. God, yes. I thought you meant two there were. Houston I thought you meant there were six Houston. cities. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Oh, okay. Five. He was a six different right. player. Uh, Jameson Hensley, and uh, this one comes from ESPN and Jameson Hensley. Since 2000, the Ravens have faced nine quarterbacks, making their first career starts. By the way, it was Tyree Cleveland, but he never caught any touchdowns. touchdowns. Oh, poor Tyree. Yeah. Um, and the Raisin- Ravens have beaten all nine of Had those. nine career catches for 91 yards. Hmm. The only quarterback making their first, or the last quarterback making their first career start against the Ravens to win came in 1999. Uh, was it Kurt Warner? It was. Yeah, it, it was, was Kurt Warner. Yeah, Kurt Warner in 1999 is the I'm only like, or the man. last uh, quarterback to make their first career start against the Ravens yeah. and come away with a win. Um, uh, Jake Trotter from ESPN covers the Browns for ESPN. Uh, bizarre stat from yesterday: Elijah Moore became the first player in at least the last 20 seasons to lose 20 yards on a rushing play that wasn't an intentional loss or a fumble. This was just a, a, you know, they were trying to they were trying to gain yards off of this. Rough, real rough. Christian McCaffrey has now moved into a tie for the second most games with a receiving receiving touchdown and a rushing touchdown. Can you name the player ahead of him? And can you round say it? Up the say top it one six? more time. 
He has one yesterday. He yeah. scored a receiving touchdown right. and a rushing touchdown. Uh-huh. He named the players with Good. more games, or sorry, the top six most games. Most so he is tied for games second. with both rushing and receiving touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Marshall Falk. Marshall Falk is number one on this list. Fifteen such games. McCaffrey is at twelve. <sighs> that was the only obvious one on the list. Um, how about? Oh God, Frank Gore. Frank Gore not on this list. Frank Gore, where would he be at? I'm really a bit surprised. Mm, he is less than six. Really? Yeah. That's really surprising. All right. Um, how about Darren Sproles? Not Darren Sproles. Brian Westbrook. Brian Westbrook is yeah, who Christian that's McCaffrey a regular is tied pass with. catcher. Twelve games tied with Christian. I'll McCaffrey. even say Ray Rice. Ray Rice is not on this list. Okay. Let's see if I can't find Ray Rice. Uh, Darren Sproles was at six, by the way. Austin Eckler already there. Austin Eckler is here. He has ten such games. Wow. With a receiving touchdown and rushing touchdown, not the only active player on the list. Alvin Kamara. Alvin Kamara also on the list. So actually three with McCaffrey. Yeah. Eckler and Kamara, more one, more play- one more player with 10 such games. They're receiving and rushing touchdown. I don't know. Arian Foster? Not Arian Foster. He's at six as well. Or was it six? Chris Johnson? Not Chris Johnson. Mm. More uh, mm. more old. More old older. school? Yeah. And there's my Gail Sayers? Not Gail Sayers. Is that too far back? I don't know. Barry Sanders? Not Barry Sanders. Far- further back. Further back than Barry Sanders? Yes. Further back than Barry Sanders. I don't think it's Larry Zonka. No. I don't think it's Franco Harris. Not Franco. Uh, I don't think it's Earl Campbell. He pretty much just ran between the tackles. Lenny Moore? Not Lenny Moore. That's a good guess, Guess though. Lenny Moore is at eight. All right. just We got to go. Tell uh, me. The Cleveland Browns. Oh, Jim Brown? Jim Brown, okay. yes. Yeah. Jim Brown had yeah. ten such games. Right. Very good. Mm-hmm. Very good. All right, uh, Tidbit was also brought to you today by ooh, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Here's what's coming up totally tubular-wise. Uh, tubular is brought to you by Superbook. Again, use the code GlennClark23 when you sign up at Superbook, and you will get a same-day first bet match up to $250. Superbook.com. Download the Superbook app. Again, the code GlennClark23. Pretty much just Monday Night Football tonight. Seahawks, Giants. Big one. That's at uh, 8.15 on is ABC. Manning cast back? I think the Manning cast is back. Right? Uh, they do have an ESPN2 listed, okay. so I'm assuming that's a Manning cast. Thank goodness. ABC, ESPN, and a Manning cast on ESPN2. Everything else. Uh, Chelsea and Fulham this afternoon at 3 on the USA Network. WWE Monday Night Raw at 8. Non-sports. Uh, the late nights are back. Oh, right. Yes. Yeah. Jamie Kimmel's back uh, with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Okay. Tonight. Um, well, what is, but how are they? They're, they're still not supposed to be promoting anything, are they? The actors? No, yeah, I don't think they're promoting. I think they're just trying to find who the biggest, I guess, guest they can get. Neil, Neil deGrasse Tyson will be on. Yeah, Stephen Colbert. I kind of expected it to be more stuff like that. Or yeah, uh, Matthew McConaughey and John Mayer will be on Fallon. And then, yeah. It's going to be really awkward putting Matthew McConaughey on if he's not allowed to talk about like the things that he's been in. Maybe you got Matthew McConaughey, I guess. I don't know. There's some weird rules to all that. That's yeah, I guess they'll talk politics with, with sure, Arnold. Sure. Well, McConaughey, maybe he'll talk about running yeah. for governor. I don't know. 
All right, very good. Uh, thanks today to Jeremy Kahn as well as to Melvin Gordon. We'll get that up in the greatest hits section of the Oh, my God, it's so good. Tab at glennclarkradio.com. Tomorrow, the Iron Man, Cal Ripken, scheduled to join us. Uh, it was really emotional watching him speak today at uh, Brooks Robinson's memorial. Matt Millen will check in. He was on the call for uh, the Big Ten Network as Maryland beat Indiana on Saturday. We'll get his thoughts on that. And Joe Serpico, Joe of course, Serpico. will join us to preview Waiver Wire Wednesday. Thanks today to everybody at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including Live Casino and Hotel, the Maryland Five Star, A.J. Michaels, the Baltimore County Police Department, Royal Farms, Costas Inn, Superbook Sports, the Baltimore Orioles, Birdland Sports, Hartford County, your local Toyota dealer, and buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Griffin at Griffin underscore Bass. Follow us, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Monday evening. Go nobody. Duke sucks.